Oddities, late night movies with Rob and Zach. This is a podcast about cinematic oddities where we discuss any media that is too bizarre, normal, or off-kilter for contemporary audiences. Occasionally, these projects gel. Most times they crash hard into the realm of obscurity. Join us as we delve into the cult classic swamp. I'm Zach. And I'm not a complete idiot. Some parts are missing. Oh, man, we've finally done it. We've reached the end of the 2001 Fort Year, the 27th episode in this series. Way more movies than that since we double up on them, just like we're doing here for this grand event. But before we get into that, we are very happy to have for this grand finale of the Fort Year back once again, LaShawn. LaShawn, thanks for being here. Hey, thanks for inviting me. I love being on this podcast. Oh, good, good. Glad to hear it because it's uh, it always goes long and gets nonsensical. And and now I know that um, you know, when you were on the uh, the Fast and the Furious episode, I mentioned that there were other movies that you had expressed interest in talking about when I first sent you the list for the Fort Year. If I remember correctly, was Jeepers Creepers the first one that you listed? It really was. Like, as soon as I saw the list, I was like, that's it. Sign me up. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay, right on, right on. And uh, I kind of figured you'd go for that because, just like Zach, uh, LaShawn is someone I've always known to be into the horror genre. And... And that's kind of good to have you two here to talk about it, because I'm usually not the person that goes to horror, or maybe not at least these types of horror. I know, LaShawn, we, we, we've done, you know, the um, more psychological horror stuff, like Black Swan. We watched Chloe back in the day. Hell, I think I'd even consider super fast psychological horror, because it's <laughs> such a nightmare. <laughs> but but we're glad to have you here, and I know you have some history with this movie as well. So, th- we, gotta, we gotta get out of the way. Jeepers Creepers 1 and 2, and 3, even though I, I, we're not talking about that one today written and directed by victor salva just wanted to get this out of the way he is a convicted 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 pedophile and i remember many many months ago zach told me this and he was like jeepers creepers directed by a pedophile and i was like uh and i figured when you told me this zach that i was gonna i I thought like oh you know maybe he made this movie and got convicted later in life i was so wrong i remember looking (laughs) into this and it turns out he was convicted of I, and I wrote it down. It's disgusting to even think about. But lewd conduct with a minor, oral sex with a person under 14, and procuring a child for pornography in 1988, 13 years before this movie comes out. He gets three years in prison, only serves 15. Absolutely despicable. So I wanted to get that out there because, of course, I figured it'd be better to say that, you know, to our audience, we know what movie we chose. Or I should say, Zach knows what movie he chose. Whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) I see now it's being dumped on me. (laughs) We're aware of this, and I don't think we need to talk about it anymore. But I just wanted to get that out there. (laughs) So, Zach, I guess that brings it over to, uh, you know, with the the grand finale in the fort year. Of course, we've always kind of kept these somewhat chronological. What... Any other reason you picked uh, uh, Jeepers Peepers? Where'd you get those creepers? <laughs> <laughs> well, Rob, we have to talk about this because this is the final send-off of the 2001 blockbuster season. Because, yes. like, this is the last hurrah. And I have a hard time. It's like, God, the last, like, weekend of August is usually got, like, the definition of a dumping ground. It's right before Labor Day. There is just nothing. And I can't, I guess I always had forgotten this was a 2001 release. I, I just don't know why. Um, I never associate it with, like, movie going in 2001 because I, didn't, I don't think I saw this movie until maybe 2003. Um, my introduction to this franchise, I, oh God, I don't even know where to begin my context for this because it's kind of minimal and it's all over the place. I remember watching this on TV in my living room in Florida in, in two, I want to say 2003. And my mother and I were watching it. It was rare for her to get into this sort of stuff because it was 
this was always kind of like below her. Um, but she was engrossed in it. It's the same way I was. And it must have been put on TV. It was just debuting on TV, I guess, in preparation for the second one coming out on DVD. Mm-hmm. Um, something like that. Because I remember getting the second DVD and I never owned the first one on DVD until like I think right after I graduated from college. So we're talking about at least like a 10 year like lapse there. Um, and that's pretty much my only context for this. Like I always held the first movie in high regard. I know um, LaShawn's going to hear about the uh, Deadly what Car series. Was that what it was called, Robin? The oh, spreadsheet uh, at one yeah. Point? I, I think like like Deadly it's Cars. Still there. Or, I think Toyotathon is somewhere in the name as well. Or something that, like it, that. Got, it, it, it got tweaked from Deadly Car series to Toyotathon because <laughs> I found that funny. It's kind of like the car version of Monstober. So yeah, and, and I've always wanted to talk about this. I really it was it was always going to be saved for a Monstober, but I think it was a good way to like plug like plug it into its own series. Um, I think in the Deadly Car series you have Jeepers Creepers. Dual maximum, maximum overdrive. overdrive. Yep, and I don't know what the fourth one is. I can't remember that off the top of my head. Um, but no, like I kind of like. I think my main memory from this movie is from the first one. That is, is just the creepers truck, which we'll definitely get into it numerous points in this discussion. Um, but yeah, like, I, I had not seen the second movie well over like 15 years okay. prior to like watching it for this recording um but yeah that's kind of my sole context for jeepers creepers i've always like enjoyed this film i don't think i love it um but i think it's definitely toward the higher end of the spectrum for like a horror movie of the like mid-2000s before the like the grudge in the ring kind of just destroyed horror um or like or at least the type of horror i appreciate so okay Go ahead. Yeah, that's so, pretty much it. Like my yeah, I, I knew I know you've always known about you knew about you know the stuff to to tell me about it. I've I had never seen either of these movies before this recording. I've always been aware of them. I knew that the first one had Justin Long in it, and I was I kind of found out about Jeepers Creepers after I'd watched like Dodgeball, and so I was like Justin Long in a horror movie. That's the weirdest thing to me, and I just I just never watched it until um you know actually getting into him for this recording, and I have to say. I I even had not watched them when LaShawn, you sent me a Facebook message and said that nothing has happened in the first thirty minutes of Jeepers Creepers, <laughs> and and I have to say that you know um, I'm sure of course we're get we'll get into it more um, that really slow kind of burn in that first thirty forty minutes of Jeepers Creepers I was kind of all about that like I was really into that part of it so of course though LaShawn, I I don't remember us ever talking about this movie in our history but what's your what's your history with this movie like you said I think off mic that you you did like it at a certain point but now you might be changing <laughs> yeah so I think for me I've always just been a fan like ever since like the Blair Witch days and all that. Um, I think I was still undecided as to how I feel about like the supernatural world. And so I just enjoyed being haunted. Like, I don't know what it is. I just, I figured, you know, all ghosts aren't Casper. So I, (laughs) you know, I just wanted to meet them and like, see what else the world has to offer. So I think I've just been infatuated with horror and this movie, I remember, I think I just like to role play as well. I like to think of what would I do in that situation you know, I probably, you know, could drive a car better than most people in this movie. So I think I'd be all right. But then I realized, you know, you can't make a movie with people doing the right thing. So I think that's why I love these horror flicks. The the movie even uh, points that out. The first movie points that out, you know, when um, what the sister says, you know, that moment in scary movies where everyone thinks you're stupid. And I was like, yeah, that was like five minutes ago when you turned the car around to, to go visit the church. <laughs> 
Exactly. But overall, I mean, this one, I remember when it did come out, and uh, I, I want to say we rented it on DVD, Blockbuster, good old days, you know, grab your candy bars and head home. And I just remember being so scared. And I think I was, if this came out in 2003, I can't do math. I was probably, what, 10? <laughs> um, somewhere in that ballpark. And so it was terrifying to me to see, like, all this stuff. So I just got hooked on it. And I was like, that fear is just, like, adrenaline pumping. And I, I got hooked on that. Right on, right on. Yeah, and so now we're all revisiting it after all these years, or I'm, I'm seeing it for the first time, both of them. Um, I, I think before we get into uh, the one and two, has have either of you ever seen Jeepers Creepers 3 that came out in 2017? No. Okay. I okay. have. Oh, you have? Okay. It is, uh, yeah. It, it, do you want me to tell you about it? Well, I, I, I read a little bit about it, and I, I saw that it is uh, – well, one, the thing that got me is that the first movie takes place over like a day. And then when the second movie starts – they're like, this takes place four days after the events of the first movie. And I was like, oh, that's pretty interesting. And when I looked into the third one, it turns out that it takes place between the first and second movie. And I'm like, they're really just jamming everything into this small time frame. Like, the third one ends, from what I read, with them, like, getting on the bus to go to the basketball game type of thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the third one, like, I, oh, okay, when I heard they were making a third one, I got, like, really excited. I'm like, oh, man. Like, again, I love these movies. And then, like, like I think it came out of nowhere, like, as a release. It was like, oh, like, it's going to be in theaters, like, one of those, like, Fathom event showings. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, like, this would be blah, blah, blah. And then I looked, it was, like, going to be released, like, VOD, like, I think, like, a week later. And I'm like, okay, like, I've, I've, never, I've never heard a good thing in those Fathom event showings. I've always heard, like, the resolution is crap. It's, like, DVD quality, like, just blown <laughs> up. And I'm just like, yeah, it's like, okay. So, like, I watched it, like, once it did come to VOD. And it is a like a legitimate step down in quality. Like it feels like a fan film. Okay. And okay. then you look at like who's involved. You're like, oh, Victor Salva was involved with this, and it still looks like a fan. And it's like, uh, uh. and then it's like, and then you like you realize like all the context surrounding it. It's like, oh, he couldn't hire any like anybody who were like any good like professionals that would, would work with him. And I'm just like, that's the reason why this is lacking in quality is that, like, he couldn't find any good help. Yeah, yeah, I did read about that where, you know, there's a lot of people, of course, in 2017, a lot of people were like, you know, don't work with Victor Salva, he should be canceled. And I'm like, yeah, he should have been canceled in 1988 when he went to jail. <laughs> but this is, I, this is where I think it's going to be fun to watch you, Rob, kind of do, like, the dance of separating the art from the artist. Because, like, whereas John, whereas, whereas John Landis, like, never went, like, oh, God, never went to jail... Like, Victor Salva technically, according to our legal system, like, did his time. Yes. So, yes. like, like that's why I find it, like, fascinating that, like, okay, he did his time. And then, like, 13 years later, he, like, gets a major movie studio to give him money to make, make two movies that I don't want to say became, like, cultural touchstones. But they definitely have, like, a, a place in the horror genre. Yeah, I, I, you're right. Doing the dance around this is a tough one for me because I was definitely thinking, how am I going to separate the art from the artist on this one? I think the best way to do it is by saying, uh, Victor Salva is a despicable person. He has been convicted. That's a fact. Uh, and then on the other side of it, 
I don't think I really like either of these movies. I'm pretty neutral on them. And I think I can say, well, you know, we can separate the art from the artist by um, I, me saying, he didn't really make any movies I've enjoyed. <laughs> like, I don't love them. I don't hate them. I think they're very down the middle. And um, there's some goofy nonsense in the second one that I kind of enjoy. But, but I, I think that's kind of here where, you know, when I get into the R. Kelly thing with Trapped in the Closet, which I think is a masterpiece, <laughs> but R. Kelly is an absolute monster, they, I think it's easier to be like, you know, R. Kelly's a monster, but like Trapped in the Closet has nothing to do with, you know, him being such an abusive person. The, the Jeepers Creepers, I want to go more the neutral route or how I feel neutral on these movies because it is kind of weird that the second movie is about a monster trying to rip open a bus to eat a bunch of teenagers like that's a little ooh from victor salva you know <laughs> but that feel okay because this is the things like but i i think the second movie is infinitely more interesting than the first one like i like i think the first one's great for what it is um it's very like like oh god high concept like low scale mm-hmm. and you get i think it gets as much mileage out of that premise as you possibly could like it's the definition of just like it it it, it plays everything to it like to a T. It's firing on all cylinders. It gets its point across. Yes, this is a little drawn out at times. Yeah, but it gets its point across at the end. There are some like you really don't know what is happening in that movie because I would the, the first film was one of those movies I would love to kind of just go in blind to again and just be like, oh god, like what the hell is going on. The problem is I kind of knew everything that was going to happen because it's just kind of ingrained in my memory. Sure. And then when I got into the second movie, I had not seen that in 15 years. So I kind of – that's where I did that where I'm like, oh, yeah, I know like it's like a school bus. I know Leland Palmer is like hunting the creeper. And I'm like, okay. And then like as I'm watching the second one, you have all this like very out of place um, like social drama. And I'm just like, oh, I'm like, this is very peculiar in a Jeepers oh, the, Creepers movie. The start of the second one. So one, I want to say, I kind of, as I'm neutral on both these movies, the second one is more enjoyable because we get Ray Wise fighting the Creeper at the for like the last 30 minutes of the second movie with the harpoon gun, which I thought was wonderfully goofy. But I'm, the first third of the second movie, I'm like, they're throwing in homophobia, misogyny. Uh, racism, anti-smoking things, and I'm just like, is any of this gonna matter? Like, aren't they gonna just run from a monster? Like, is the monster gonna be angry at them for being homophobic or racist? And it, of course, it doesn't make any, it doesn't have anything to do with the rest of the movie later on. <laughs> but this is the thing where I, I again, does it work? Objectively speaking, probably not. But for my personal taste, it felt like a slasher movie combined with Lord of the Flies. <laughs> like that's just okay. what it felt like and i'm just like that's kind of like on paper that's an interesting concept like what would you do if you had a lord of the flies like cross with like a slasher creature feature and it's like like it's somebody who just likes things that are different oddities if you will <laughs> i was like i'm on board i'm like i i am digging the hell out of Maybe again, misplaced sense of enjoyment, but like you do have like this moment where the film gets really intense when it comes to like like the racism between like Jockman and other Jockman. And like Rob, like Rob was saying, I'm like, where is this gonna fit into the plot? <laughs> I'm like, but like it does create that like level of tension where you're like, oh, and it, it kind of doesn't go anywhere, unfortunately, because like like bad Jockman gets like taken away. 
which I forgot about. Like I, th- I thought he like I thought he made it out. So when he gets like taken away, I'm like, oh. And there are some pretty clever moments too, even where you have like the the black jock guy, and he's like, like, yo, man, like I saw him looking at you too. You turned off the flat. You had you had someone turn the flashlight off that moment. We don't know if he's interested in you too. And I'm like, that's great. Like that's setting up suspense because like when they're all like fleeing the bus and, and like the creepers like tracking them all down, I'm like, that's great because you don't know what's gonna happen. Because you have the because what the the evil jock man gets his arm like pinned to the thing, and like they're all trying to get him out. And it's like, oh, who's he gonna go for? Is he gonna go for like the white guy who's pinned, or for the black guy who's helping him? And I'm just like, like this is like th- there was a level of tension there. Once again, I'm not sure if I'm just seeing what I want to see. <laughs> sure. I'm like Rob. I'm going to admit that sometimes like it is crap, but I'm just enjoying the crap. Another C where we use a lot on this podcast. <laughs> um, that's not Cruella. Uh, but no, like I said, that second movie, I, I think that even though it has, I don't know, like, I, I, I just, okay, Rob, I'm curious. You, you said you enjoyed the second movie more, even though you think both films are pretty met overall. Yeah, I definitely like the second one more, I, I think because it turns into them fighting the creeper rather than them surviving the creeper, which is what the end of the first movie turns into. And also, I think you mentioned something like it, Zach. The end of the first movie, I'm also kind of like, what the fuck is going on? Like, of course, the <laughs> creeper's eating prisoners to gain its body parts back, and then it's just kind of like, you know, the psychic's like, one of you's gonna die, and they're like, which one? And I'm like, I- I'm like, what? And then, you know, the whole standoff when he's, the creeper's like holding Justin Long, and the sister's like, take me instead, and I'm like, that, that makes no sense, because we know it wants certain things from certain people, so... Like, I, I was just kind of like, what's happening? I, I'm, I like that it didn't really have a happy ending either. But the first one, I, I guess this is, this is to kind of, you know, what I was shocked by from what you said to me um, about that first third, uh, the slow part of the movie, LaShawn. I loved that first slow part of the movie. Like, I loved all the little characterization between the brother and the sister. I loved, like, the car running them off the road. I loved the noise of the, the horn that his truck makes. Like, that's such a gratingly horrifying noise. And then once it's once like Justin Long is like in a catatonic state and they're at the diner and the psychic calls them and makes him listen to Jeepers Peepers, I was like, what? I was like, what is this? I was like, what's happening right now? And then it became more of like the classic monster movie where I felt like at the beginning before we knew what the creeper was and we were really having that slow burn of like almost a, a blue velvet style of like they desire to find something out that has absolutely nothing to do with them that's guaranteed to get them into trouble. I thought that was a little more psychological and atmospheric. When the creeper shows up, I'm just kind of like, oh, they got to run from a monster because the monster's undefeatable. Would, would you say that, like, I guess to ask you now, LaShawn, since you only, you know, told me about this movie when you watched that first third, did that first one get better for you or are you just like kind of against the whole first movie now? <laughs> so for me, it wasn't that it, so it was slow, and I, I do agree with what you're saying. I do like the buildup and everything. And the pace of it was once things started to pick up, I really loved it. I was like, okay, okay. this is this is the right amount of like, you know, monster horror, like what's going to happen next, just enough suspense. And then it would slow down, just enough suspense, slow down. And I feel like it really played on my emotions um, once it got going. But the the, well, the problem was the beginning with just the brother and sister. I was like, what do I need this character development for? Um, Where's the gore? Right. And then with a lot of the horror movies, I'm like, you know, I always try to pick out the characters and break it down. And I'm like, Oh yeah. Which one of you is the virgin? The virgin always gets sacrificed. And I'm just like, they, at first I didn't even know if they were brother and sister. I thought they were boyfriend and girlfriend. I was like, you guys are flirting. 
But then I was like, <laughs> ah, whatever. But it picked up. I liked it. I, I got into it. So are are you with us or are you the dissenter? Which one do you prefer, the first or the second? Definitely the second. Okay, right on, right on. Woo! Woo! Yeah, it's kind of when I was... One, man. Yeah, when I was reading some reviews, I saw a lot of the opposite, and I was like, what? I was like, the second one has just, like, the goofy nonsense that I want from these types of horror movies, you know? Yeah, right? <laughs> That's the second one. I think the second one was like, okay, I made the more, like, atmospheric... Um, like, like you said, Rob, it's more, you're, you're surviving the creature, not fighting it. Yes. And I think it's kind of like, like they let the genie out of the bottle. So it's like, okay, what do you do now when it comes to the creeper? So it's like, oh, what do you do is you, you give a little bit more, oh God, I don't want to say you flesh out the world more, but you give a little bit more to go on. Um, you got to mm-hmm. change that dynamic. It can't just be another, like, again, you can't have just two people in the car. And so what's the most extreme of just two people in the car? You can't have four because that's the same exact thing. So sure. it's like, what do you do? You have a bus. And so it's the next logical thing because I, I can't even tell you what the plot of the third movie is. I don't know if it tried to differentiate that. But, like, no. Like, that second one, like, even, like, probably one of my favorite horror sequences of all time now is just the creeper, like, on the bus. And he's going through the kids one by one. And he's, like, <laughs> making all these gestures. And I'm just like... Like, this is, like, the level of camp that I want in everything. Like, there is so much campiness in that one sequence. And you don't really get that in God. You don't get that at all. Like, that's the thing I think is the most interesting is that the first movie has really no camp, right? Like, there, it, there's really nothing tongue-in-cheek about that movie. Outside of, like, the one point where they go to, like, the woman's house to all the cats. And, like, yeah. the creepers in the house. And you just, and you just hear, the like, like somebody stumbling through cats. You hear all, like, the generic, like, cat, like, sound effects. Wow! <laughs> Ow! Like, you hear, like, every single one just, like, in a row. That was, like, probably in the uh, sound catalog. And then, like, you see him, like, holding Grandma up. And it's like, oh! It's like, that's, like, and you see just a silhouette. Like, there's some really good lighting in these films, like in the first film, like the, the creeper is mostly silhouetted yeah. and you really have a hard time grasping like where he begins and like where he ends in the sense of like what's his trench coat and what his act- his physical being is. Then the second film, they like they realize once again, like, the genie's out of the bottle. We know what the creeper looks like. So he's almost always well lit in the second one. Like you see almost every piece of his anatomy when the camera like focuses on him. Sure. And like that's great. It's like it's like you, you realize you've played that card. You can't do it again. And that's the problem with a lot of horror movies. It's just that like we're just trying to do the same thing again. Yeah, and that's one yeah. thing you gotta say. The second film is like you might not like the second film, but the second one's definitely doing its own thing. Oh yeah, and I think I think like you know, we've been saying the survival versus fighting, I definitely find as a as a uh, making it fighting is more of an interesting thing to me because like you said, what like you said, the cat's out of the bag. We know that what the creeper is, we have to do something more with it. And I'm I'm glad you mentioned kind of the two scenes from both movies that made me go, what the fuck is going on? In the first movie, it's the lady with all the cats because they go up to her house and they're like, we need help. We want your phone. And she's like, I have a lot of cats. And Justin Long's like, let's get out of here. And I'm like, why? She just said she has a lot of cats. And, and I read in, um, in some notes on this that apparently to get all the cats to, like, look out the front of the house, they smeared tuna <laughs> yeah. all over the, like, the mesh and stuff like that. And I, after I read this, I went back, and I'm pretty sure there's – I didn't write a timestamp down, but there's one scene where you can see a cat licking the, like, mesh in the front of the house. And I'm like, okay, it makes perfect sense. But that whole scene, the old lady's like, I have a lot of cats. And they're, and Justin Long is like, we need to get out of here. And the sister's like, no, we just want your phone. And she's like, 
well, okay. What are you, you going to call one of my cats? And she's like, keeps talking about her fucking cats. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? And then, you know, we get the, the creeper show up and stuff like that. In the second movie, it is absolutely the scene where I, I don't know how you would even describe it. The creeper is flirting with the kids on the bus. Like he's just looking through the back window and like licking it and pointing and winking at people. Like I was watching this last night and I was like, what, what, am, what is legitimately happening? Like, what am I supposed to take from this scene? It's not till after the scene is over when one of them says like, oh, he was picking us. And I'm like, is that what it was? It seemed like he was just wanting to look at all of you. I don't know. Both. The, it's it's very rare that I get scenes in movies where I'm just like so lost to what I'm supposed to be taking from it, and and I probably in the second one that was the one where I was more like, what the hell is this? Not that it's not like a, a good show off of a great costume. Like I love the look of the creeper. I love the teeth. I love the him like licking the window. That that might be the scariest thing in both of these movies. Imagine if you're stuck somewhere and a monster shows up and it starts to make sexual advances towards you. That might be the, <laughs> the most horrifying thing about the creeper because that's what it seemed like he was doing. <laughs> but like, I think that's the thing though. Is like, think of all your just like horror character ghouls and like how many of them do that sort of thing. Like, the, and that's the shame about how like once again people throw out the baby with the bathwater with like Victor Salva, is it like he made a really neat villain. Sure. And it's a shame that like we'll never be able, like nothing will ever, like no one will ever do anything with this character again. Like I know like there's like some sort of fourth movie like in development, which I like that has nothing to do with him. Yeah. But like it, it's the idea that like you, he made an interesting character. Is it like, are we really going to forsake like just because he was the writer and director, like the makeup people, the actor, the special effects team that all brought this character to life. We have to forsake all of that because this guy committed an atrocious crime 13 years earlier in the studio completely disregarded that and gave him a budget two times. Yeah. It, like, it's, it's like it's not my job. My job is to consume the product and give it a thumbs up or thumbs down. And like, and that's as the goer, that is our only thing. Like the thing that makes me like this is good, I kind of just go off into like a little bit of a tangent with just like like people's reaction to this like with Victor Salva is that like I know for years like I know Rob will, knows about my uh, toy collecting like hobby is that like for years people want like a creeper like action figure and it's just like like NECA who like in Rob members from the Pacific Rim days is everyone just like, like are you gonna do it and like this was like back in like 2014 2015 and they're like no we, we, we don't want to give him any money and it's mm. like again, it's like it comes back to the whole thing though is that like you're he's not running a pedophile ring out of like the Philippines. It's not like again, his crime was in the pet again, atrocious, horrible crime. But like it's not like this happened after the movies were made. Like if that happened after the fact, I'd be like, okay, but like this IP came after the fact. And it's like if this was two thousand three, two thousand four I'm sorry, two thousand one, two thousand three, it's like very easily we would have gotten merchandise for this. Sure, sure. And no, I'm, and I, then he, you, know, you bring yeah. up a good point. Something that I know we always say is that, you know, these, these terrible people, and they are terrible people, other people were involved in the, the production of these things. Like you said, the makeup people, everybody. It's not like, you know, Victor Salva did everything through and through himself, which is a, one of the things I usually cite as separating the art from the artist. But I, I know what you're saying in that, you know, there's a, there's a lot of, I don't think anybody really knows how to deal with this type of thing. Um, this is something we talk about a lot on the podcast, of course, and, and Zach and I talk about this all the time. I think just, just something I wanted to know, 
because Zach and I talked about it. LaShawn, were you aware of the director's uh, legal issues before watching these movies? No, I wasn't. And I wish everyone could see my face because I was pretty startled. <laughs> I, I, I really didn't even. I'm sorry, LaShawn. I'm so sorry. <laughs> we're we're ruining, we're ruining his movies. Yeah. No, no but that. Not at all. Um, okay. Zach brought up some good points, but I kind of want to play devil's advocate on a couple things. Sure. So I think the first movie would have been amazing. And I think the monster ruined it. In the, in the second one. I think it's one of those, um, you were saying that you can't make a movie, a horror movie with two people in a car. Well, that's been done. You know, there's the movie The Monster with the the mom and her daughter. They're trapped in a car and there's a monster out there and it's just trying to eat them, you know. And it's the whole movie, but it's well done. And the thing is, what ruins the movie is when we see the monster. Because once we see the monster, the CGI wasn't there. The It wasn't what people envisioned. It looked like a dog. And it was no longer scary. And the whole movie or the last 30 minutes was just ruined. And I feel like in this one, it starts off, you know, pretty tense. Someone's trying to run you off the road. And I think you you kind of like the characters at that point, And you're like, oh, my God, you know, get out of there. Move. And you get really in, into it. And then, you know, you don't really know what this guy's doing. Then he turns back and it gets all suspenseful. But then once you realize that, you know, he can fly and do all this extra stuff, it's like, Ah, it's kind of cheesy now. It's I feel like if they kept it as a human terrifying person or being versus the extra stuff that they added in the second movie, I think he would have been a really awesome monster or villain. Something more psychological, uh, like the threat rather than the um the 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 running away from when you know what it is. Exactly. Uh okay, just first for clarification, I said for the, I, for the second one I said you can't have two people in a car again. <laughs> like no, for the first film, like I said, no, like that was the thing. Like for the second film, you can't just have two people in the car, and that's where I mean, like Rob's like, why is there kids in the bus? Like, why is this happening? Um, no, I agree with you. You can do like there's a bunch of movies of people trapped in the car. Like, look at Cujo. That's the entire movie of Cujo is just two people trapped in the car. Um, my thing is that I, again, I like cre- again, I like creature design. That's the thing. Like, I hate movies like The Babadook. Where like it's just a bump in the night, like I that, that drives me up a wall. Like that's one of the reasons why I hate the Conjuring movies, is that there really isn't like an actual like monster. Um, maybe that goes to like my just overall love of like the slasher genre, where I like that. I just like like Boogeyman. Like I like the notion of a Boogeyman. That's just something that's just my own subjective taste. Um, I agree with you. Like like a lot of that first half of the movie is just that truck going around doing its thing. Um, that's the reason why I love the movie Duel so much. Is that it's just a very psychologically disturbing like a vehicle going after a smaller vehicle. Um, I love that. It's it's perfect. Like even on a subconscious level, you see like like I don't know what type of car she drives. Um, Trish in the movie, you probably know the song. But you have this giant like truck, not even giant. It's just this very oh god, mean, terrifying looking truck. And how did you describe the horn, Rob? You had a very couple of good adjectives to describe the horn. Oh oh, a, a gratingly horrifying. I definitely took gratingly it as, like, horrifying. Like it's it's it made like you know my hair stand up on end because it's not like a regular horn. It's more like like if a regular horn is supposed to get your attention, like this is the type of horn that's supposed to get your attention by giving you a jump scare. Like I'm imagining I'm driving on the road and I hear someone with that horn and I have to like struggle to keep my, you know, wheels going straight type of thing. (laughs) 
But I was just like, oh, fuck, he's going to eat my eyes. He just starts <laughs> just, like, driving 100 miles an hour. You bring up um, a good point, though, of the different types of horror. And I think for me, you were saying that he's a really good villain. And the scene where he is, like, licking his lips and, you know, being all sexual, it's like, it gave me Freddy Krueger vibes. But yes. not, not as well done. Like, I think they tried to take that, like, slight charm of, like, oh, you know, like, you got to be really sinister in a moment like this to, like, lick your lips at someone, like that's really scary like you know but freddy i feel like i don't know i feel like there's just something different about freddy versus this villain and i i I don't love this monster as much as i feel like you guys might i think the monster of this is just not well done and it ruined it for me where the second movie i only liked because of the teenagers (laughs) <laughs> oh, interesting, interesting. That, that might be the first time someone's ever said that before. <laughs> that might be the first and only time someone says, the sec- I like the second movie because of the teenage. That's good. Um, We've broken new ground on, on Cinemodities once again. Uh, but no, I mean, that's kind of the thing uh, is interesting to hear because all the stuff with the teenagers in the second one, like especially the stuff with the, um, you know, uh, the, uh, you know what the story is, how you got those scars on your face? What? You went into a bar and got into a fight. Really? A gay bar, and I'm just like, what? I'm like, oh my god! I'm like, I'm like, who cares about these idiots, you know? But then when we get the stuff, the, the the wonderfully goofy nonsense of the the creeper rips the kid's head off. You have a like flat, perfectly surgical cut of his head, and he's wiggling his arms around in the bus, like going through death throes. And then the creeper is like moving the head onto his own head. That's the stuff where I'm like, okay, I kind of want the creeper to win at the end of the day. <laughs> And it's kind of like the one scene that I actually really liked because it made my like skin crawl was when he was making out with the head and then he pulled the tongue out. I don't know if they were making out in the beginning, but that's what I'm going with. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was that was pretty interesting. The the eating of the tongue and like Justin Long's looking on in horror. And I'm pretty sure that's the scene where in the background of him, the creeper eating the tongue, there's a billboard that says something like (laughs) it's so tasty or something like that. Yeah, (laughs) that's even that sequence, like even how it's lit, like it's that silhouette, because once again, you, you can't be too graphic with it. But again, like there's a lot of well, like it's this movie. The first one has a really unique lighting. And it's kind of – you didn't see that a lot at the time. You didn't see – like that's the thing. I, it's weird about like an early 2000s horror movie is that like it, it was a creature feature that had some level of artistry behind it yeah. relative to like everything else in the genre at the time. Yeah, and I and think maybe it's, that's why – I got the sense of that you know, on that same topic in that first movie that they, they knew how to – hide their special effects you know they knew to play with lighting and they knew to play with silhouetting and keeping the creature hidden when it needed to be otherwise it would look ridiculous and i think that's i i have respect for that level of craft i just kind of personally like it more when the ridiculous looking creeper is cgi flying around and getting harpooned and and flying across the the screen i kind of love that a lot more just on a personal level (laughs) but you're right Zach. the artistry of the lighting in that first one does add a lot to that tension for sure even like even like and this is kind of like it's both a okay i think what sean needs to know this for context for me is like i love this stuff so much like i can't go to like a oh god like a halloween horror nights because i don't get scared by any of this 
I love it is like an art exhibit. Like the last time I went to like a haunted house, I literally sat there like, like I feel bad for all the actors because they're trying to scare me. And I'm just like clapping. I'm like, this is great. Like, can you stop for a second? Let me like soak this all in. Like to me, that is what like a museum is going to like a haunted house and just soaking in just like everything happening. And so like when you have sequences in this, we're like in the jail, like late in the film. And we see the creeper just like go like we see like the cop going through like he's like head check, poke, like, poke your head out. And we're just slowly going from cell to cell. And we see, like, the two, like, prisoners. And they're just, like, have their backs against the cell. And we just slowly pan over with, like, the flashlight. And we see, like, the hunched over creeper, like, without any of his, like, trench coat on or hat. And he's just, like, gnawing on something like a dog on a bone. And I'm just like, is this goofy? Yes. But I also really like this because it's, like, between the lighting the like just the fact that we see his back just the animalistic movements the actor is doing with like all this prosthetics on him i'm like i really dig this like i that's where like i can't be objective with this stuff i was gagging like, just... a little bit in that scene when you hear him like choking down the leg of or whatever he's eating of the prisoner and there's like multiple like him like literally choking down a huge piece of meat type of thing and i'm like no i'm like no i don't want this <laughs> it's like that's the thing though. was like i find that delightful <laughs> like in the sense of like because it's something you don't see every day like that's the thing like where i think the jeepers creepers franchise is again relatively speaking to its peers in the genre unique is that you don't have a villain like this like even like Think of like, – it's hard to do now with modern horror because modern horror is Patrick Wilson, Vera Famiga. Like that like, – unfortunately, you don't have this anymore. Um, I won't even know what you call conjuring horror. Like, like it's not psychological. It's just loud bang in a dark room. Like yeah. that's just that, – that's all it is. But like going back to – again, like your Freddies, your Jasons, your more – I don't want to say slashers, but your boogeyman villains. Um, most of them are just out for the kill. It, the, like, it begins with, I'm going to take a sharp object, having it go through flesh, and then lots and lots of red goo. That is the essence of it. <laughs> but with the creeper, it's not – it is that, but it goes beyond that, whether it be the tongue, when he, like, assimilates the head, him eating the leg. It's, it, it, it takes it to another level. And in my opinion, that elevates the genre. Of, or the subgenre of the boogeyman horror film. And that's where I really think these films kind of stand on their own. Like they stand on their own kind of like, what's the word, pedestal relative to their contemporary boogeyman character, like, like brethren. But my thing is, what's different between him and this being a crocodile? You know, and that's where I feel like he's not that special until. I think he's special up until we realize who, what it is and it becomes this monster, which I'm like, are you a gargoyle? I'm not quite sure what you are. But in the, think, and then he evolves think, so fast, too. He goes from being this, like, I'm driving a car. I'm These teenagers saw me. Now I'm consciously driving away. And I'm he goes on whatever missions he goes on in the time that they're exploring the sewers or under the basement. And what did he do in that time? Did he go play poker? You know, what is he? <laughs> Then he comes back in the second movie, and all of a sudden now he's kind of so animalistic, and it's like he he lost all his human 
traits. I'm glad you like bring that up. Weird. I'm glad you bring that up, LaShawn. I definitely was confused as to why the truck wasn't in the second movie. Apparently, the third movie explains that, but, you know, whatever nonsense <laughs> that might be. But uh, but I'm definitely with you in the sense that it's like, that's why I loved that first part of the first movie, because I'm like, oh, this might just be like a, a crazy dude, you know? Like, he's tr- he's running down this truck, killing people, sewing them up, that type of thing. And then when you get the reveal, it's a, it's a neat idea of revealing that he has wings in the scene when they drive uh, the car over a bunch of times. But then at that point, I'm just like... What I'm with you. I'm like, what is this? You know, I'm like, how how many layers does this thing have? And that's why I kind of think in the second movie when they lean into it and go hard where he literally, you know, rips the javelin out of his head, rips his whole head off, assimilates a new head where I'm kind of like, ah, you're taking it to like the extreme. And I appreciate that a little more. But in that first movie, I'm with you. I'm just like, oh, OK. I, I do have to say, though, once we get the reveal that he eats people's body parts to have that body part. Zach knows this about me. One of my favorite things in, in like, yeah, storytelling yeah, say history. It, like, say it, say I have it, to eat your I, arm to gain out. your power. I love the idea of eating somebody else's body parts to gain their power. And not only is that my favorite part of District 9 when the warlord says, I must eat your arm to gain your power. I told you that the day will come. You'll be running around with my prize. All I want is to eat that arm. And become no. like you. No, no, no. I also, it made, this movie specifically, Jeepers Creepers 1, made me think of the Invader Zim episode, where he has to, like, the nurse is giving everybody physicals, and, and, and Zim knows that he can't get a physical because he doesn't have human organs, so the entire episode is him stealing other children's organs and replacing them with things. And it's one of the funniest jokes in Invader Zim and probably, like, you know, kids' cartoon history, where Zim is, like, just this fat, obese like being with just filled with organs and the nurse gives him the physical and she says you're one of the healthiest boys i've ever seen you have three sets of lungs <laughs> you'll never pull this off you speak craziness earth boy more organs means more human it will work there why you're one of the healthiest little children i've ever seen and such plentiful organs and what's the matter with you, young man? Mm. Ah! It's a new man! It's horrible! <laughs> so I, I, I had to bring up that I love that the creeper uh, eats people's body parts to gain their power. But I, I'm pretty Delightful. sure... In in the first movie, doesn't the psychic lady say something like like Justin Long and the and uh and the sister they say something like oh we drove over him with our car this many times and doesn't the psychic have a line where she says something like he must have so many hearts that that wasn't enough to kill him? All right, people, we're going to a lockdown situation. That means everybody sit tight, don't move, lest somebody wearing a badge tell you. We pounded into dust. We watched it blow the fuck away. And it, I think I think she says hearts. I don't remember. I didn't write it down. But then at that point, I'm like, what is this? The Legend of Zelda? Like he has enough hearts that he can't be killed? You know? <laughs> I just thought that was a little bonkers. <laughs> I think, but like that's the thing though. It's like I think they're trying to craft like the creepers' own mythology. Like you get comments like, oh, there was people even with wooden teeth down there. Like he has this like tableau of just yeah. victims. I think they are trying to craft again. They're trying to keep him veiled. 
to some degree is like, okay, what the hell is this thing? There's more than meets the eye. Like a lot of times while I was watching it, it kind of reminded me of like the Xenomorph from the Alien franchise in that like, oh, this thing is just a lethal like being. Is that like its sole purpose is to just get what it wants. And it takes almost like think about it, like Leland Palmer doesn't even really kill it. He just kind of immobilizes it during its last few minutes before it goes into like hibernation. Yeah, yeah. I had and to I kinda read like into that. that. Like it's cuz cuz he said he says thing where it's like, you know, he's like, "Did you kill it?" and it's like, "No, it, it started to hibernate." And he's like, "Looks dead to me." And then, you know, he's still waiting for it to come to life in the in the epilogue of the movie, which which honestly, if if they're going to make a fourth Jeepers Creepers, I want to see the chain of events that led to the um, the Taggart family, as they're called, the the father and son, deciding to set up the creeper in his hibernation state as a roadside attraction. <laughs> I want to know what led them to that decision. Because it'd be one thing if it's like, well, we just keep it somewhere, contain it, and when 23 years comes around, we're going to get ready to be there and kill it. But how did they reach the decision... To make it like, oh, we're going to make five bucks from kids on the road in the middle of nowhere. I thought that was so strange. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, maybe it's kind of like him pimping out the people that come to visit. And he's just hoping that, like, it'll catch the attention of the creeper. And he's just like, oh, that, that's a handsome fellow right there. I'm going <laughs> to, I want that face. I, oh, I don't know. <laughs> maybe. So trying to, like, break the cycle or something. And if uh, if they see something. Oh, that's an interesting thought. Okay, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I I, get I think that epilogue is just there to be like goofy fun. It's like, oh god, if this movie was made today, that would be the post credit sequence. Oh yeah, yeah, it, and but it is goofy like, fun as well. I really liked it, you know, and but it is totally goofy fun. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's what because I like, think about it, like realistically speaking, like you have this thing immobilized, it's going to hibernation. If you wanted to get rid of this thing, practically speaking, you incinerate it. Like like that's what you do. You would incinerate it. Yeah. And the idea that like he has like again nailed to the wall or like to like what the uh like the upper wall of the barn. I think it's also meant to be very reflective of the first film where the creeper has all of his victims nailed to like the walls of this thing, like almost like in a tapestry. Yeah. I think it's meant to invoke that imagery. Um no, I again it's it's camp. It's it's camp pure and simple speaking like, of it, some camp the- and and while we're on the topic of the creeper i i think this is something that uh probably neither of you will know about unless you are way more into jeepers creepers uh like hardcore into it there are jeepers creepers comic books yeah so here's the thing i didn't i didn't read any of these comic books i didn't like look at any of the previews i just kind of read going off of the um the jeepers creepers you know fandom wiki I have to say, because we've mentioned it, I think, twice now in our in our 2014 year, and this might be the great rule of threes cap to it. In canon of these movies and the Jeepers Creepers universe, the Creeper is responsible for killing everyone and causing the lost colony of Roanoke. <laughs> really? Yes, yes. So, like, literally, his That's backstory delightful. is that... That is delightful. He's created somewhere in, like, the age of the, um, like, the Mayans and the Aztecs with human rituals. Like, that's where his origins are. And he's just lived forever since then. And uh, that's what happened to the Lost Colony of Roanoke. The, 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 um, the creeper came and took them all underground. <laughs> that's, okay, like, okay. Is dull, like, as corny as that sounds, <laughs> that is the movie I, like, okay, I want, that's the sort of movie I would make. Like, like, if somebody said, like, okay, like, we're taking away the Jeepers Creepers franchise from Victor Salva, 
what do you want to do with it? You'd be like, oh, there's a comic like where he's like responsible for the Roanoke colony. Yes. I'd be like, okay, give it to me. Like you make a film very similar to Alien Cubed. I'd be like, give it to me. I want to make this movie. Make it a period Yeah, piece. I'm, I'm glad on, you say I'd that. I'd be on board with it. That's, I love kind of this, I've always loved this kind of revisionist history with scary, goofy horror movies. Like, LaShawn, I don't think, I, I know I've watched a bunch of them with other people. I don't know, did we ever watch any of the Final Destination movies together? Yeah, I want to say, we watched the the one with the roller coaster scene. I want to say it's two. Ah, okay, yeah. So, I, I don't never remember the order of them, but yeah, <laughs> I'm I, I'm pretty sure we saw one of them. And I've always loved the goofiness of the Final Destination movies. I think we might have talked about it years ago, but one of the things I've always thought is, make a Final Destination movie, but put it in, like, you know, the 1600s or something. Like, make it medieval. <laughs> make it on a pirate ship. And I'm totally with you, Zach. Take this creature and put him in the goddamn, you know, the colonizing of the Americas. Like, do something interesting with it, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, that's, like, that's the sort of thing where, like, I really, like, what I want to do, talk about another Cinemonides uh, film. Come, like, it's what, it's every 23 years, and the third one was released in 2003. In 2026, I want to make whatever Jeepers Creepers movie it'll be, Jeepers Creepers colon Leland Palmer, and I want to follow up exactly where it left off. I, I, I want that. I want him sitting in the chair with the prosthetic old man makeup, which now will not be makeup, and with the dog, and he has, like, the harpoon gun just waiting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that would be, that would be awesome, that. of course. And I, I literally, my movie. first note of the second movie when I started watching it was, Ray Wise is in this? Great, I'm sold. And then my next note, or my few notes later on, I'm like, Ray Wise needs to be in this more. And I'm pretty sure that came when, you know, the teenagers were yelling at each other about stupid nonsense. <laughs> Delightful. Like, that's like, okay, but this is, that's where, like, like, once again, I think you have to really look at the Creeper as, like, the Xenomorph. Like, you can't stop him. All you can, it's like with any boogeyman character, all you can do is fight them to a draw. And I sure. think that's and I think that's where you have to understand where these films come from, like both as like a viewer and someone who's making them. And I think that's kind of like where like the third film doesn't understand maybe what that character is supposed to be. And I think when you have the more like really, really dialed up campy sequences, like the bus sequence where he's like going through the kids one by one, um, you can't you have to do that. You only get one moment like that. In a film like this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's where like where Freddy Krueger became a parody of himself eventually. Because you only get one scene like that. Because otherwise it becomes a joke. And that's why Freddy is kind of just seen this like. Like say what you will. Like there's a reason why the Freddy Krueger character. Has not endured the same way that like Jason Voorhees and Michael Myers has. Is because if you become too cartoony. You lose everything else. And that's why I think that scene is so potent because it's literally one sequence in what three films? Yeah, yeah. Because he he does not do that in the. I don't think he does that in the third movie. Like, okay. I think the third one still is campier, but he doesn't do anything that dialed in specifically. You bring up a, a good point, and I know this is something that you know it comes up in horror all the time. The these big imposing horror slasher monsters, whatever you want to call them, you know they you can't beat them. You have to fight them to a draw. Like your your xenomorph, which keeps coming back for whatever you know contrived reason. Like your Michael Myers, your your Jasons, your Freddies, the Creeper in this example. I think that you know when you say it that way. I think that's why I've kind of always been, you know, leaning away from that traditional sense of horror. Because, like I said at the start, I'm kind of in the middle of you two of the horror genre. I kind of am into the fact that, you know, maybe there is a horror we can beat. You know, thinking of, you know, what we did when we talked about Black Swan, 
the the horror in that movie, LaShawn Wright, is more of the body horror. There is the psychological element, but it does get defeated. Of course, it's Nat- Natalie Portman killing herself in the end, <laughs> but it is defeated. And I'm also thinking of, you know, the the concept of maybe um uh, like John Carpenter movies, not Halloween, of course, but like um they live like they they beat the alien demons, whatever you want to call them in the end. Maybe the closest example of something you can only fight to a draw that I really like is John Carpenter's The Thing. And that's because the monster is still more psychological. I don't know. I, I've never really been into, as you know, you guys talk about this whole thing of, you know, I want my I want to be like these creatures to be haunting. And maybe that's the question for you, LaShawn, is that when you say you like horror because you want to be haunted, do you like that fact of like the monster can always come back type of thing? I think that's terrifying to me is to okay. know that no matter what you do, you can't win. Um, you can just prolong your dying. <laughs> and I think for, like I also like that for me, I guess having the backstory of a lot of the, the monsters and, you know, creepers kind of helps me. Like, I feel like that's why I'm on Jason's side. Like, I'm like, man, they bullied that kid at camp. Like he should kill everyone. Like they, they deserve what they get. But <laughs> Um, even touching back on like the cliche horror things, a lot of it, I guess I've always heard that like there's a social commentary that whoever's doing the killing, they, they usually target the people that are acting out, the people that are breaking the rules of society. You know, those are the people they go after. Whereas um, in this movie or both of these movies, whereas in those movies, I feel like they're going after an innocent kid and his sister for for what? What is this monster doing? And if you have a small town, is no one asking the question of where are these people disappearing to? Are we just no one just no one cares? Like, I I don't know how you find two people to put in a body bag and throw down a hole and no one in a small town realizes that they're missing. And (laughs) sure. Why is this monster now sniffing people's clothes? He seems like he doesn't want to be found, you know, driving around in this creeper van. But which is kind of ironic. It's like the most obvious thing on the road, but also tinted windows. So I guess he's trying. And uh... <laughs> well, one, one, I want to say, great, uh, great. Lashawn is a professional. Wonderful pause when you heard that phone in the background. That was fantastic. That makes it so easy for me to edit that out. Uh, two, when you mentioned it that way, the creeper van, and I, 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 sh- I didn't think of this earlier. You know, when um, Zach, you were mentioning as well. There's that story, uh, I think it was like in the, oh god, late 80s, early 90s, maybe even later, but uh, LaShawn, you might know what I'm talking about, when basically like a dude in Colorado got in an armored car with a shitload of guns and killed a bunch of cops, like drove through the state and just murdered crazy amounts of cops, and they had trouble taking him down. The the van in this movie looks like the van that that guy in Colorado used, <laughs> and that's the thing where it's like, I'm with you. Yes, isn't it that obvious that if you're in just your little, you know, compact car going down the highway and you see this fucking tank with a cow catcher coming down the street, you're going to go, <laughs> maybe I should tell somebody about this. <laughs> and then what was the other thing I was going to say? It was there's – there's just a lot of questions I have on this movie where I love that – they're playing on the stupidity and but so much of it gets overdone like that car scene i'm like how many times is he gonna let her drive you know how many times is she gonna not understand that you know this clutch is going bad or i'm assuming it's the clutch but he had no problem driving it so i'm assuming it's her inability to drive a manual so maybe i missed something but why was she not why was she driving so often 
Did I miss something? Does he get injured or something when he falls down the pipe, the tube? I don't remember explicitly, but maybe that would be. Fell off, but he crawled out and he walked and he like he scared her in the window and everything. So he yeah, seemed yeah, like he yeah. So yeah, I don't I know don't, exactly if you I remember, remember either. What, there's something that I missed. I I wish I had an answer for that. I think it's just she's taking control at that point because he's like I think we mentioned he's in some sort of catatonic state. Mm-hmm. That's why I think. Okay. I could be. That's just my own. Uh, that's my own projection onto it. I'm glad that you guys are in the same boat on that one. And I feel like this movie, what's really different from a lot of the traditional horror movies that kind of stood out to me. Um, and Rob, you touched on it earlier when you were talking about like the homophobia. And it's it's one why I, I don't know if it's because the creeper identifies as a, a man and that's why he's after mostly men. Mm-hmm. Um, because you see that in a lot of the slasher films, it's usually them going after, you know, the the pretty blonde or whatever. Yeah. Or there's at least a bunch of women characters to basically just to to slash. There's there's no other way to put it. You know, they put these women in there just to do whatever. Look pretty. All right, you're dead. <laughs> and in this one, you know, it starts off even with like the the gay forever or the gay fever. And, yeah, gay fever know, versus like, sexy forever. And I'm just like. Are, are either of these acceptable as license plates? <laughs> right. And so then I'm like, wait. So this we've got a monster that likes. Is it that he just wants to get men's body parts? And even at the last scene where she's like, you know, take me. I'm the brave one. And he's like, doesn't even like flinch. And he's just like, now nah, I'm going to take this guy. Like I mm-hmm. like him. <laughs> and he's just gone. <laughs> like I just don't know if there's like some reason why it's just men in this. I I, I got that same sense. And you know, maybe it was a um uh, some attempt at a subversion of what you're talking about like the you know the the women get slashed the final girl trope and things like that um but of course i mean i think we should say well this might not be this might be you know making the argument more that he's only going after men in the second movie the creeper does steal the bus driver who is a female (laughs) but a rather butch female so maybe maybe we should have a scene where the creeper is like no you know (laughs) (laughs) we're getting canceled for doing these movies But no, I I kind of um thought that same way. I I feel like there's just a I mean the female characters in this in these both these movies they do have some agency. You know um the I think Rhonda in the second movie is the one who stabs him through the head or the eye, gets one of his peepers with the javelin. Um, but then the yeah you're right the creeper always seems to ignore them and stuff like that. Um, so yeah I'm I'm not sure. I don't remember if there was anything else. Those were the big things that really stood out to me, and I'm. I don't want to argue with Zach, but I feel like Zach and I are opposing on this one, where he thinks this character is special and this movie has a lot of ground to stand so on. Much. But I feel like I love it. I no, love it's it. good. You, you you can argue with Zach all day long. I guess maybe before I I let you two at it again, you know, I take your uh, take your leashes off. Well, speaking of women and questions in this movie, at the end of the second movie. When the guy driving the exterminator truck, his plan is to, like, break and, you know, whatever his fucking plan is, because it doesn't seem to go very well, because I think that guy is dead when he flips over three times and the car explodes. But he pushes the girl out of the car. I think, what, Minx? Minxie is her name or something like that? Yeah, great name. Great character. What, oh, well, once, yeah, there's multiple times in this movie where they're like, Minx, get a hold of yourself! And I'm like, that's not a good thing to say to a woman. Like, you can't call a woman Minx. Um, but... She's not, as far as I remember, of course I was taking notes while I was watching it, so I might have like looked down at a key moment. What happens to her? Is she in the final scene? Because when everybody gathers around, when when um, 
uh, Ray Wise is stabbing the body over and over. I don't think she's there. I'm like, what happened to her? Did she die when she got pushed out of the truck? <laughs> I think she's, I think, yeah, no, she's there because she's the one who has the premonition and he keeps stabbing it and she's like, and he's like, it's dead. She's like, no, it's just like, it's going into like hibernation. Oh, I, like, I thought Rhonda was the one who said that it was dead. I might have been confusing the women in this I movie. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure Minx, Minx comes back. I think, <laughs> I think she's there at the end. Okay, I'll have to go back and check. Maybe I'll throw in a correction or something. But literally, while I was watching that last scene in the movie, I was like, where'd she go? Did she die? Like, did this dude, like, put, throw her out and she broke her neck or something? <laughs> <laughs> hey, kids. Turns out Minx is there at the end of Jeepers Creepers 2. Oh, man. So that, that scene made me laugh, but there's a there's one other that I don't know if you guys caught. And it's when the creeper is, after they, like, come out of the restaurant and the lady's like, he was standing right there and he was sniffing your stuff. <laughs> and, like, everyone's just, like, standing there listening to this. And I'm like, wait, all of you were sitting in the restaurant and all of you saw this and none of you were like, whoa, what is going on? But... When Derry comes out and he like grabs all his stuff and he's like, "Oh great, now he knows my name." Oh, with the <laughs> underwear, yeah. <laughs> that that was yeah, that was something else. I, I almost forgot about that scene. He was sniffing all your stuff, and there's just clothes strewn everywhere. And that that was another thing. I'm glad you bring that up because in the in the very like in that beginning of the movie before anything really starts to happen, you know, and and we get the scene where the sisters like. Why are you bringing mom home laundry to do? That type of thing. And she puts the air freshener in the bag of clothes. I was waiting for that to come up, that, like, he would lose the scent because he smelled the mint of the air freshener or something. Yeah, and I, they focused on it, and I thought it was something, like, that yeah. we have to, like, make note of. And I don't know. Yeah, I don't know where that came from. I just thought it would be a funny gag. But, Do you think that's like Victor Salva's like go-to in screenwriting? He writes the, the the he writes it backwards, like third act first, second act second, first act last, and in the first act he thinks of all funny things that we hope would come back later. Well, when I say funny things, I'm thinking of the uh, air freshener. I don't think anything there's anything funny about the homophobia or the racism in the second movie that has no purpose later on. <laughs> I, I do think there's a level of homoeroticism between the creeper and like the male victims. I do think that that is subtext. I do think that's there. Okay. Whether it's okay. good subtext or something else entirely, but I do think, <laughs> I do think, like, again, I think it was LaShawn who said that the fact he goes after almost exclusively like male victims. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think that is there for a very specific reason. Even like I was reading something online that apparently like, like something, something Victor Salva might have like a navel fetish. Or something with the amount of like emphasis they're put there is like I, on like the I belly button. Read that too, and I didn't fully buy it because just what you know, there's a tattoo on Justin Long's belly button that lets us identify things relating to him later on. I I feel for it to be a fetish, we might have needed more belly button stuff, which I don't think we. Well, and also the same thing. Can you say in the first movie when um you know J Justin Long finds that dude wrapped up who has like the um his torso sewn op or sewn cl closed? Can you call that a belly button fetish, even though that's where you'd have to cut to get organs out? You know what I mean? Uh, I, th I think it's like Tarantino level with feet. It's like, does the guy have a foot fetish? If you don't know how to read into it, okay. no. But if you know what you're looking at, it's there. Okay, okay. It, yeah, it's, it's something where it's like, you know, if you if you look at it, you might think so. But yeah, okay. But yeah, there's definitely some level of, you know, the um, 
the the homoeroticism, like we've been saying with the Creeper and the men. And once again, on that thought, why didn't it come up later on that the Creeper was going to go after the Izzy? His character name is Izzy. They call him Izzy or isn't he, the possible gay character. Like, why wouldn't that come into play with that aspect or something? You know, I'm thinking. I'm thinking of maybe like um. I don't know, have an answer for this. I yeah, don't well, have an for we we don't questions. have we don't have an answer, and we will never get an answer because I think we can all agree, uh, Victor Salva is not allowed to come on this podcast. <laughs> but I mean, you think of like um like the the Predator and some of the more modern Predator movies. I know there's a thing where it's like the Predator won't kill a woman. And I don't really know why that is. I've, I know I've seen that in movies. I've heard that before. Wouldn't it have been interesting if the creeper doesn't kill the gay guy and we get kind of some of that subtext to be like, oh, maybe there's something there. But instead, the creeper is just, you know, has to fight Ray Wise with a harpoon gun at the end of the movie, which, don't get me wrong, is still really cool. <laughs> I think a lot of the creeper thing comes down to just, like, he's <clears> – <throat> this is where it comes down to, like, I think with, like, like bad jock man in that – he goes after fear. Like that's his entire thing. The reason like how I've always interpreted the ending of the first one, and I will circle around to like your question with like the, the gay kid or the alleged gay kid. We don't yes. know if he's actually gay. Um, is that like the reason why he like rejects the offer by Trish is that he doesn't want Trish. Cause she, the whole idea of her saying, take me shows that she, she's empowered and that uh, inherently turns sure. him off. That inherently turns him off, so he's going to just reject that, like, sight unseen. And I think the reason why that, like, you – again, I can't speak for certain, like, for as to what Victor Salva's thing is in the second film. But I think it's the idea that the Creeper, again, is inherently attracted to people who are vulnerable and scared. Yeah. And for people who are saying, oh, let's target this person because they're different, that, that would turn him on. People who are insecure would turn him on because that is a form of fear. And again, that's sure. that's my own reading into it. I don't know if that's intentional subtext or I'm just kind of seeing what I want to see. But I think that's why he eventually like it's pretty. It's almost to me like a fait accompli that he takes like evil Jockman because he evil Jockman is so clearly insecure. When you say evil Jockman. Because bad I think man. I think that well evil bad jockman I think you're referring to many people in this movie because most no, of our men only, are jockmen. <laughs> I know, but like, like there's only one bad jockman because he's the one who's like racist, like homophobic. The one who like, very the, Eric uh, Eric Neninger, the one who gets his arm yeah stabbed to the tree later on. Yes, yeah. the oh, yeah. the um the the friend of Francis from Malcolm in the Middle at the um the Naval Academy. That's how I know him as. Oh, I I don't remember him from anything else. So I yeah. just know him as Bad Jock. Man. I started watching the second movie and you know they go through the whole ep- uh the prologue and the kid getting stolen and then you know they cut to the bus and uh, Eric Neninger is just sitting there being like sad in the back of the bus when his team has just won the championship game and I'm like, oh, "That's the dude from Malcolm in the Middle." <laughs> no, it's it's an interesting once again, that's where I thought something was going to come up later, especially since they all have their fighting. You know, near the when the when the creeper is going after them, when the creeper is clearly you know going after the bus, and the the teens all have to talk about you know who's gonna maybe some of us should leave, maybe we should run to the farm, maybe we should do this, that, the other thing, and you know I, that becomes like a big part of the movie: who teams up and who doesn't, who's left on the bus and who's not. I thought that was going to come into play because earlier we get that scene. Where, you know, the the bad jock man keeps saying, like, I don't like you, bro. And the the black guy's like, you want to call me something else, you know? And it's really racially charged. And I'm like, so this is going to, you know, play into the fact that they're going to fight later and things like that. And then it just seems like they all get scared and run away. <laughs> no, but I, think, but I think this is the thing, though. And like I said, I, 
maybe I'm seeing what I want to see, but I think that's it's demonstrating a different type of fear other than oh my god, like go around us, go around us. Bronk, bronk. <laughs> I think it's I think I think it's again, maybe again, this is maybe like what Rob says when he says Corella is like the most modern take on pop punk music of the sixties and seventies. But I think it's a clever way of demonstrating fear to the audience without just ah just like like flailing around. Okay. Like okay. there are there are different forms of fear other than just like yelling. Sure. And I think that like I said, I could be hundred percent off base with this. I get but what you're saying, and it's not int- I think that's an interesting concept. I just don't know if I'm reading into it. It's not unfounded, I think, I think. And now since Zach, you brought it up twice, I have to say, we have to get LaShawn's opinion. We don't have LaShawn here a lot. LaShawn, have you seen Cruella? The uh the live action No, because he's a rational human being. <laughs> <laughs> no Zach, Zach hates it. Uh, I think it's a capital G great movie. <laughs> no, no, no. Just want to throw that out there. I, I, I would have been shocked if LaShawn, you were like, yeah, I saw it opening day, you know? Why, why weren't we, why weren't we doing an episode on that, you know? <laughs> but no, like I said, Zach, what you're saying is not unfounded. It's a different level of fear. And I think you, when you put it that way, you, you said it best earlier on, or encapsulated it best earlier on, the idea of that, you know, we're dealing with something like Lord of the Flies. We're dealing with the fear between the people we have to team up with and then the fear from an outside source. Because I think there's something, you know, when they're all fighting with each other, some character says, listen, we need to stick together. That's the most important thing. And we know as the audience that, yeah, that's probably for the best, but the way they've made all these characters idiots, we know that they're never going to be able to do that. (laughs) I think my only issue, though, one of my issues with the second film is that there are too many characters on that bus? Like I think ah. they, like, I, I think, I, I, like I said, I think you need more than like two, or, like two or four people, like the amount you could fit into a normal like vehicle. Um, but I think you should have capped it around like eight, and you could I, very easily. Yeah. Could, I'm glad you say that something. because three cheerleaders, fine. Five main basketball players, two or three that got put on the bench. You know that gets a part of the the story early on. But one of the things that uh, I'm glad you mentioned is that, you know, when most of the characters leave the bus and we're just back on the bus and there's, like, one cheerleader and one guy, I had no goddamn clue who that guy was. Like, literally the one when they're, like, bang on the door and they're like, open the door, open the door to the bus. And there's just this dude in, like, this gray sweatshirt, not the, um, the team manager who we've established earlier on. It seems to be, like, a different team manager. I'm like... I don't think I've seen this person in the movie before. Like, where the hell did he come from? He looks like the Which kid who one? got his head ripped Which off. Though it, when, it, when, it's, when it's the... Oh, the nerdy guy with the glasses? No, no, no. The younger version of the nerdy guy. Because the nerdy guy with the glasses comes back onto the bus. And mm-hmm. he's like, oh, you let her back on the bus and points at the cheerleader? There's one other oh. dude there. And I was like, I don't think I've seen this person in the entire previous an hour and ten minutes. <laughs> Yeah, like, you know, I, I will definitely concede that. Like, you, they could have very easily, because it doesn't make sense you have, like, all these different, like, football players, and you have three cheerleaders. It's, like, there's usually more than three of them. Um, yeah, I well, guess well I, no, I mean, you know, it's a small town. It's Poho County. You only need three cheerleaders. <laughs> <laughs> They're driving through Poho County, Rob. They're driving oh, through Oh, that's County. right. That's just, yeah, Poho and Kessel County. I couldn't keep a lot of the locations in the, straight in this movie <laughs> but like okay real quick just getting to that though like like locations i think it was LaShawn who said earlier that like the idea like how people go missing in this town like in a town of like 300 people like wouldn't eventually just drain the town of like like population i think what the creeper does and we see this with like how he picks off people on the highway i don't think he goes after the local townsfolk 
I think he just goes through he goes after like passerbys, just in the sense of like people who are driving through getting from point A to B. And they just have to go through this very specific corridor, and it's very just desolate, and that's how it's it's easy picking. They do mention the whole um in the car, the brother and sister talk about how the um what a couple from their school went missing, and then he Justin Long sees the couple like with the school ring on later in in the um the mm-hmm. church uh, underground. I don't know what you call it, the catacombs <laughs> or something like that. But here's the thing, though, I'm with you, Zach. But there's so many bodies under that the church. I guess the catacombs yeah. is the best thing I can think. And if he's only doing this for 23 days every 23 years, I know they're doing it, of course, from a filmmaking perspective. They want it to look really creepy. But a lot of that tissue over, you know, multiple sets of 23 years would not be there anymore. Okay. Can you (laughs) further elaborate on that? Well, just because, I I don't know, is the creeper doing something like a a form of taxidermying to make organic tissue not decay? I think so, because we see him, what, like at the end of the first film, he's like in what, the like industrial plant? And he's, like, going through. I think there is some okay. like, form of, like, preservation involved. I would like to like, actually clearly... know more about that. If that if they want to develop more of the Creeper, I would love to be like, oh, the Creeper is not only, you know, eating people's body parts to strengthen himself, but he's also looking at the beautiful artistry of human taxidermy to some extent. <laughs> like, I want to see I... him with a Justin Long skin carpet in front of his fireplace at the start of the fourth movie. <laughs> I, I, but again, this is the thing, though, like, and this is the ultimate problem with like any sort of boogeyman character. You don't want to explain them too much. Like that's yeah. the thing is that like you got like, the second movie, like there's more backstory for the creeper in the first film than there is in the second film, and that takes a lot of restraint not to immediately go to like just like pulling back the covers and being like, here you go, like like, like oh his name it's like the uh, Lashawn. I'm not sure you've seen the Hellraiser films, right? Uh, briefly, I've never really been invested in. in sure, a... but you probably know from like there's like pin like pinheads in the first film, mm-hmm. and like the Cenobites are like, oh wow, like they're more of what tangential characters are not really the main antagonists of that film. And then like in the second, I think it's what the second and third film. I think more the second film. It's like oh, pinheads like Captain So and So. This he was a World War One, and it's like it's like we don't need this explanation. We don't need this explanation. We don't need this. Oh, you're right. I and think I th- it's Hellraiser four when the the entire movie is the origin story of what Pandora's box or whatever the puzzle box is. Yeah, yeah. And I think for any like like boogeyman character, the idea of like showing a level of restraint and not explaining their backstory is just like tremendous. Because like take any of these movies, like. By the second or third one, you're explaining like what Freddy Krueger is the past, like the 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 child of like a rape nun and a thousand maniacs. Like Jason's backstory is kind of baked into the first film. It's kind of hard to like ignore that. But the thing about Rob, like every Friday the Thirteenth movie explains more and more something that just eventually they, and they all conflict with each other yes like we keep explaining things that just conflict like continuity wise even with michael myers how many backstories have we had to michael myers yeah yeah like like, like it's like he's either jamie lee curtis's brother he's not he's just some weirdo it's like it just goes back and forth that's a and really think, interesting again, thing about you know as we've been talking about you know in the in these brief spurts these this kind of you know the um the background of horror the fundamentals of horror it's really interesting you know that i feel like we're all coming from these different combinations of perspectives where you know don't show the creature to keep it atmospheric to keep it psychological and then it's like no i want to see the creature it's cool but don't explain too much of the creature horror <laughs> is this very you know weird balancing act to make it work for sure and you're right i'm glad you bring that up is that when horror 
hits for one reason or another, you know, whether it be like the original Halloween being so successful for, you know, kind of how limited I think Michael Myers is used, whether it be like Alien, where we clearly know what the monster is, but the reveal's done so well. Everything in these franchises drives it straight into the ground and makes it so you need to go to the fandom wikia to realize that, you know, oh, they did this thing and that's crazy and we just make fun of it at the end of the day. <laughs> so I've got a good slasher to kind of compare this to. And it, so Child's Play, right? You got Chucky. It's, I don't know if people would argue that that's a slasher film. I would. I would say Chucky's a slasher. Uh, they are uh, the scariest movies in existence to me. I do not do well with dolls coming to life, period. Right? I hate that. <laughs> and he's so sinister because, you know, when you come to realize that, oh, Chucky has the spirit of this, you know, human guy who's done all these bad things and he's just a horrible person, like completely just horrible. And it's like, wow, like I really am terrified of him. But now he's in a doll that like, runs around causing even more trouble and people the first movie i love it and it's scary because people don't realize like who's causing the trouble or like what is happening and so i think it's scary and that's how those movies kind of all they kind of carry that same theme the beginning of the movie people don't realize that doll is doing something or whatnot and so i feel like in this movie that's why i kind of thought the creeper was cool until he showed his face until he started doing these things that were no longer scary. You know, having to wonder if he's going to turn back on the road or even that scene where she's standing on the side of the road and the truck starts coming towards her. I'm like, oh, my God, like this is intense. Like what's happening? And then all of a sudden he starts doing all these things that are out of character from how he started. And I'm like, you kind of lost me there. I, I want that sinister like you know, you're going to run me off the road, disappear for a little bit, and you're just going to come back and, like, you know, mess with me. Whereas Chucky sure. does that. He's like, oh, you know, like, people are shaking this doll, and they're like, oh, I know you're awake. I know you can talk. And he's just, like, staring at them. Oh, and then all of a sudden, he just keeps tormenting them. And that's what I love. And I think that's why I kind of like the Conjuring movies and all that, because it's this ongoing, like, are you messing with me? Like, what's going on? Am I crazy? And I, maybe that's my kind of horror is the psychological stuff. So yeah, once you I, throw monsters Yeah, we, in there. like we've already mentioned, you know, and anybody can go back and listen to when you and I talked about Black Swan, There, there's never really any, like, that's one of the things I love about Black Swan. You never really know what's going on type of thing. And even at the end of the movie when, you know, she stabs Mila Kunis, Natalie Portman stabs Mila Kunis, it's actually not Mila Kunis, you know, that type of thing. You're just, even in that last 20 minutes, you're just like, what you know that that type of idea i i've i've told zach about this and um i i've been very vague about it because i think it's a movie really worth watching not going into it Lashawn, have you seen anomalisa <laughs> okay i consider anomalisa to be a hardcore horror movie because every time i watch it which has been a bunch of times uh, especially the first time there is something that gets revealed to you as an audience member very early on like in the first 20 15 20 minutes that becomes like the point of the movie and you just wait and wait and wait for our main character to acknowledge what we know as an audience and it never happens and that's what makes it so scary for me where at the end of the movie you're like does is he crazy? Does he realize what's going on? Like, you know, is he living in a horror version that we think he's living in? And I'm with you. That's where I'm with you, Lashawn, that psychological idea of never really knowing, always doubting yourself, always having those insecurities about what's scaring you is truly horrifying. <laughs> right. And what you said, like, you just, I feel like you hit ev everything that I was kind of hitting at. And it's the Saw movies kind of do this, right? So the Saw movies, they're slasher movies, you know, and then you've got this guy, you see the little puppet, 
nobody really knows what's going on. And that's when those movies are good. But the minute that it's explained that, you know, Jigsaw is this guy and there's this nurse and there's all these other things going on. I feel like that's when the movie was like, oh, that's it. Like, it's not that that scary. I like it when it was just like this doll on the screen, like trapping these people. And I had no clue. And then you start answering all these questions for me. And now I'm like, ah, well, I don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I get you. I mean, that's that's I think it boils down to something like, you know, do you want um, your imagination to flourish with the unknown or do you want an answer type of thing? Perfect. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Just real quick, I wanted to let everybody know Skype just gave me a notification to join the call I'm currently in. (laughs) <laughs> uh, so I'm tempted to join and now we'll have two Robs no I won't but I just had to point that out I've never seen this happen before <laughs> well I guess then Zach you know on that topic are you are you someone you want that knowledge and, and play with the slashers or do you like that more because I don't I don't know if we've ever talked about you know Black Swan I know we talked about Aronofsky with the psychological thriller stuff but I, I feel like you and I make fun of that type of stuff more than we actually thrive in it you know what I mean Oh, uh, I think it, that's the thing. Like, I think it comes down to a matter of preference a lot of the times. Yeah. Uh, like, again, at the end of the day, I would choose Jeepers Creepers 2 over Black Swan. Like, as subjectively speaking, not as, like, objective, like, which is a better quality Sure, sure. That's where my ooh comes from is subjective because I fucking love Black Swan. <laughs> I, like I said, I, I, that sort of stuff is it's neat, but, like, I love my boogeyman characters. Yeah. I like looking at a visual monstrosity. Like what? Like again, it, it's whether it be Jason, Freddy, the Creeper, God. Like you, you could even make an argument that like Lashawn. Have you ever seen Steven Spielberg's Duel? I have not. Okay, you, when we eventually get to that, Rob, we'll have Lashawn <laughs> on for that. Nice, because uh, it's a car. It, it's a car movie. So like even that, like the truck and Duel is very similar. I want you, Rob. Go 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 into you too, Lashawn. Go into Google and just type in Duel. Yeah, Steven Spielberg's duel. You'll it'll come up immediately. Like even that type of just like vehicle, like to me, that is a boogeyman character. Is that like just something that's like visually monstrous mm. that's chasing the protagonist? Um, I'm I'm predisposed to like that sort of thing. I just am. There's a reason why like I I just don't like like to me seeing is believing and psychological is good like like for, like i would imagine even like it goes something like mulholland drive like especially even though that's david lynch and that's its own separate genre it is a psychological thriller oh yeah yeah one of the one of the scariest scenes in film history to me is near the end when you know naomi watts and um the other woman go back into their house and it pulls in on you know one of them pulling the box out of the purse and naomi watts is just gone that scares the shit out of me. That someone okay, just okay. disappears. All right, Rob. And guess what? My scariest part of Mulholland Drive. This is perfect, Rob. You kind of yeah, the uh, man behind what the is, diner. What? Yeah, yeah. Wink, wink, Winky's man. Like yes. that is like that to me. The boogeyman will always be because it's it's a manifestation of the fear. Sure, sure. The, the concept, the concept is deep, but it's more like ethereal in that sense. Like, there's, it's really hard to kind of contain. The boogeyman is there. It's everything in in the. I don't want to say the flesh, but it's concentrated into one specific area, Definitely. and that's it. If you ever want to know Rob and I's taste when it comes to anything in life, it can be separated into two different <laughs> columns. You have that scene from Mulholland Drive that he referenced, and you have Winky's Man. There it is. No, that's perfect. There this, it is. This is actually a great revelation for the end of the fort year that we've Zach and I have figured out our differences in horror. <laughs> and I've definitely I... got a good understanding of where Zach is, and I think that 
the seeing is believing comment. Like, I think that's perfectly of like where I'm at. I feel like if I see it and it's not believable, that's, that's it for me. I'm done. So if you sell it like alien or predator, any of those type of things, I'm like, Oh, that's well done. Like, I like that. You know, um, one of my favorite movies is it follows. I don't know if you've seen that one. So. <gasps> oh, okay. Yes! LaShawn, you just yes! might've booked your spot when we eventually <laughs> discuss this movie. Zach has wanted to talk about this movie for so fucking long. Uh, I think it is a completely useless, pretentious film. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I hate It Follows. <laughs> it and follows. Zach, Zach loves to talk about It Follows. Okay. Okay, real, real quick. I just want to give LaShawn my context for It Follows. <laughs> oh, okay. Is that, like, I, saw, I, I saw this movie like when it first came out. Like I, I have the receipt still. When we get to it, I'll show the receipt. I got it for $2. <laughs> and I love it so much. Like, I, I remember hearing about this movie before it ever came out. And I'm like, like, okay, I want to see this. I enjoyed it, like, as a horror film. Um, and then, like, the more and more, like, I've talked about it to Rob, because obviously Rob, like, knows the filmmaker for a completely different reason. And, like, every time Rob and I talk about it, Rob is, like, keeps poking holes in it at this point. <laughs> at this point, like, it has, like, it has, like, a, like, it's a definition of, like, death by a thousand cuts. But the problem, though, is that, like, Rob kind of, his intent at making me hate it has backfired, because now I love it for all the reasons he hates it. Because oh, I find it so delightfully goofy at times. And Rob's like, Zach, it sucks for these reasons. I'm like, no, 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 Rob. It's a masterpiece for these reasons. When it's not being over-the-top pretentious, it is the dumbest thing in the world. <laughs> oh, man. I, I know. I, well, I have to save it when we get to that. Because we'll, we, I think it's almost inevitable now. LaShawn, you just might have put the final, you know, like, like nail, putting this in the books. That um, uh, I'll save it for then. The whole electrocution in the public pool scene is the stupidest thing I've ever seen in a movie. <laughs> oh. <laughs> all right LaShawn is definitely coming back at some point during Monstover just even though we don't talk about it follows he's just coming back because I know he'll defend me when Rob's like LaShawn <laughs> unlikely voice of reason no but I, I think uh, I think LaShawn before we you you said the magic words to cause such a reaction from us uh, you were saying you liked it follows I think because of the seeing is believing was that right yeah, and I'm on the side of, you know, that really, that's me. I'm like, all right, if you're going to give me a monster, it has to be well done. If you're not going to give me a monster, you know, don't rely on jump scares, but give me the the suspenseful stuff, you know, the cliffhangers where you build it up like it's going to be a jump scare, and then you don't. And then you keep doing that enough times, and then you hit me with that jump scare, I'm going to be like, ah, you know, that will really get <laughs> Yeah, me. That's my kind of horror, and I love to be scared that way where I don't expect it. And this movie... I just feel like the creeper was so great in the beginning. And that's why I'm like, I don't know what you love about him, Zach. Like, he's just, I love the teenagers in the beginning of that movie more. Like, their witty banter with the whole, oh, it's wrapped in a rope with with sheets. Oh, it's wrapped in a rope with sheets with blood. Like, I just love the way that they talk and the jokes. And I love the movie for that. And I like when it was just innocent teenagers thinking they stumbled upon something. And you've got this guy, you know, after them now because they've discovered a secret. But there's so many movies with that overall, like, you know, um, what's the word? You guys you guys talk movies all the time. Plot. That's it. <laughs> sure, sure. No, I, I, well, I see I, what you're I, saying. Yeah, go for it. 
No, I, I no, like going back to the strong things like why I like this, it's like trying to explain to somebody why a joke is funny. Um, again, it, it just comes down to my taste, as we've talked about a lot when it comes to more Monstober films. Like, I am someone that was raised on a diet of just like, again, like I can still remember the first time I saw Freddy Krueger, like, as a character. It was in a local video shop when I lived in Florida. I can see the box, like, to this day, still on the shelf. It's the like Nightmare on Elm Street, like the first film, like DVD art, and just like Freddy, like the image of Freddy just captivated me as a kid. It was like, what, like, what is this? I remember like asking my mother, and she's like, oh, like he's a bad guy. I remember being like, like on the picture, he doesn't look like a bad guy. It looks like he's protecting her, <laughs> and it's like, okay. And then like it just like again, Rob's heard my story, but my mother bought me a copy of Nightmare on Elm Street too, and then like the next day returned it to Walmart because she had like 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 a lapse. She's like, I had a lapse in judgment. I couldn't let you have this. Um, and so like it kind of became like the forbidden fruit for me. Um, and then like over time, like they let me, my parents let me watch any of this. Like, my first introduction to really like a slasher film was, um, was like Freddy versus Jason. That was the first time they ever like bought me a slasher film. I can remember getting that from like, oh God, um, Walgreens. And I remember waiting in line and my mother like asking like the woman ahead of us, like, so how is it? And she's like, yeah, I watched it. And she's like, is it as bad? Is like, it's made out to be. She's like, not really. But I was like, is there a lot of like nudity? The woman's like, eh, yeah. And she's like, is there a lot of like drugs and stuff? And she's like, mm, yeah. It's like, and, and like, I remember, like, and to this day, I could, again, whenever we have the Freddy versus Jason conversation, which will happen, is like, I remember, like, I got, that came out on DVD right after Christmas in 2003. And I can still remember my mother in my room building my Lego at At Walker as we're watching this. And she's just like rolling her eyes at it. She's like, this isn't even like bad. It's just kind of like goofy. And I think that's where, like, think about it. Like, my foundation for horror movies is Freddy versus Jason. Sure. And that's just, and that's, and again, I, LaShawn, I imagine you've seen that, right? Definitely. One of my favorites. <laughs> there, so, there you go. So, like, if I tell you that's my foundation for horror movies, does that give you any more insights into why I love the Creeper as a villain? It does, but I feel like you like the idea of him. Like, it's one of those things, you know, you're dating someone and you're like, oh, you know, there's potential there. But really, they're not living up to the potential for me. I'm like, you know, you get, you just got to let it go. There's, there's better. <laughs> <laughs> but like, is there? Like, okay, Lashawn. So like, you like, so like, you mentioned the Child's Play franchise. Yep. Is there any other horror franchise or films that you like? You would say are your top three or top five? So Rob knows this one. I love the Strangers. I don't. There's Strangers too, right? And I kind of like the Purge movies. I'm not gonna lie. Um, oh, uh, like on that topic, I know, yeah. LaShawn, you and I agree. When you mention Strangers, LaShawn and I are very much, and this might be the only horror genre other than psychological I really love, home invasion horror. Yes. We <laughs> really like that, I think because of the realism, but not to cut you off, of course. Yeah, no, it's definitely the realism for me, and the, what else did I just say? What's the last one that I mentioned? <laughs> <laughs> Strangers. The Purge. The Purge. I like those movies as well. Um, I know they kind of overdid it now on the like what are they on like third or fourth one and it's they just kind of ruined it but i feel like those are kind of my ballpark um i don't i didn't like what's the one where they they show like people being haunted and it's like the real camera footage um oh paranormal activity activity. yeah Yeah. i hate those movies i hate them with a passion like i will i get nothing out of them but i like the conjuring movies which i don't know why i like one but not the other because i feel like they're the same realm so that's kind of like my ballpark there, Zach. That makes sense, though. Like, all those are grounded in some form of realism because, like, obviously the home invasion, like Rob said, that's – like, that realism. That's something that can happen any day, any moment. 
and the before Conjuring, before even, you came off well, your hiatus, okay. Zach, last year, I was going to continue with Monstover, and I told Lashawn we were going to do Funny Games, <laughs> one of my <laughs> well, favorite that, movies that, ever. Yeah, <laughs> but even but like going to his thing with the Conjuring movies, like even though it's a a hyper realized version of like Ed and Lorraine Warren, that is still at least has some germ of an idea grounded in reality. Sure. Whereas, like, exactly. So and that's that's the that's where I get where he's coming from now. Like where I am just again, Freddy versus Jason. Definitely like even though you don't want to say supernatural, Freddy versus Jason in that movie are supernatural beings. There's nothing realistic about either one of them. See, I like what you're saying there and I so I do like the supernatural but it has to be done in a certain way. So there's sure. the, What's that movie? It's the it's I think it's called the the hole in the ground. And it's 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 a movie where like this woman loses her kid in the woods and then her kid comes back, right? I don't know if you guys first heard of this one. Is this um I from like a, like 2019? The yeah, it's the whole in the ground. Okay, okay, yeah, I've never heard of this. Yeah, no, it's it's fantastic. So the the kid she she's playing with her kid. He runs off in the woods. She can't find him for like five minutes. Kid comes back and all of a sudden this kid is like mean and like everything and then comes to find out that this kid is not her kid like at all (laughs) and so that's that's kind of the premise of the movie but it's super simple it's just her and this kid and when she finds out that it's not her kid she confronts him she's like you're not my son and he's like i know and it's just like this awkward like tense moment where it's like what now and she's just like he's like but you're my mom and you're gonna be my mom and it's just like what like what do you do in that situation like this kid's just telling you like you're his mom now and those type of movies just get me. I just, I just absolutely love them, and I'm missing that in Jeepers Creepers. I just, no, there's nothing there for me. I get that. I get that. Like again, again, not everything has to be. Um, again, like you can like a genre, but like again, that's the thing. Like uh, we have Monstober every year, but I'd be very hard pressed to call myself like a horror fan because, like, I, it, it's, it's. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, even like with music, like I love music, but as Rob can tell you, I am not a music lover. Is like I have a very, very specific taste, and if it goes even slightly outside of those bounds, I am like ninety nine percent inclined not to like it. Like I, it's kind of like the thing. It's like I know what I like, and I can almost tell you exactly pretty early on why I know what I'm not going to like. So then, and, how do you feel that, about like the Wrong Turn movies? I'm curious about that because I feel like this is a very similar movie to the Wrong Turn movies. Wrong turn. I've never seen those. I, I'm I'm aware of them for like forever now. Um, I I haven't seen them, so I don't want to judge them. From everything that I've like I I've seen from like promotional materials and just like oh god from like other media, I, I I've always, I've wanted to watch them. I just never got around to it. I, I can't comment on that. I, that's okay. the thing. I I don't I don't like commenting on something if I haven't seen it. Um, like but again, it, from what I've seen, I'm intrigued. And that's I something I can't say. Yeah, oh no, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> the first two. I always <laughs> Yeah, the first two. Um, <laughs> but I'm just trying to think, though, like other, like, because again, you're the horror aficionado, so I feel like I can relate to you more with this with Rob. Or, like, usually I'm the one kind of dragging Rob into all this. Like, LaShawn, has Rob ever told you the story about when him and I went to go see the Friday the 13th remake, <laughs> what the conversation was on the way there? No. <laughs> okay, this is what happened. Like so, this, like, yeah. <laughs> so what happened was this was, what, junior year? So two, this was, like, early 2009 of high school. And so, like, Rob gets, like, I'm like, Rob, let's go see Friday the 13th. And Rob is just kind of like, eh. And, like, and me being, like, a, a fan of this genre for almost 10 years now, he's like, eh. And, like, Rob kind of begrudgingly, like, went. I think the thing was, like, 
I guess, because it was, was kind of like, like, I'm getting a free movie out of it, so why not? And so, like, as we're getting in the car, Rob's like, okay, I'm on board with this movie. And I'm like, oh, what's changed in the last, like, two days? And he's like, oh, I talked to this kid, like, in my history class, and he says there's boobs. So, <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> and, that's, and that's the thing. Like, Rob's just, like, Rob's always been on board just for the nudity. He's like, if I get my nudity, and, like, like and whereas, like, that was, like, ten plus years ago, where that's evolved or maybe devolved from now is the, like, and, like, and this is my best, like, like, oh, God. A to Z story on this is Halloween three season of the witch, which begins with the joke of Rob and I being like, where do you want to sleep? Dr. Chalice. Yes. That's a stupid, and like, that's a stupid question. The and then they just start making out. Was. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and Rob's like, he, Rob, what was it? Rob, Rob, it's like, Rob's like, I am 19 and Zach is 70. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's where it is. Rob's just happy now in a horror movie. If there's nudity and he can laugh awkwardly at it, laugh at the awkwardness of it all. And that's where like Rob, like I love Rob to death though, but Rob's kind of just more like along for the ride. As opposed to like appreciating this stuff like on a much deeper level. Am I wrong, Rob? No, no, not at all. That's I've never been a big fan of horror, of course. Like I said at the start of this, uh, that's just that's just how it goes. And now when you actually put it that way, it's making me think of um, as Lashawn knows. I think in the American version of Funny Games, they make uh, Naomi Watts get naked at a certain point. <laughs> that that might add a lot to why I like that movie so much. <laughs> Does she have mom jeans though, Rob? Uh, first, some of the movie, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good. All right. Oh, God. But yeah, like, that's the thing, again, like, if you even go through some of our Monstober movies, like, have you ever seen uh, Seconds with, um, oh, my God, uh, oh, God, what's his Rock name? Hudson? Handsome Man. Rock, Rock Hudson. Hudson, yes. Have you ever seen that, LaShawn? Like, that's more of a psychological thriller. No, I haven't seen that one. That's like, I'm trying to think, Rob, like, what's, when it comes to Monstober, what sticks out to you? Because you obviously know LaShawn better than I do. Like, what have we discussed, like, Monstober wise that you think would, like, appeal to him? Just so I can get more of a read on on his uh, Ooh, taste more. That's a that's an interesting question. Um, Have I, you seen Annihilation? No, I haven't seen that one. That's a good one. I think I think you would like that, Lashawn. That's another Natalie Portman. That's very that the psychological. Alien? The which one? The aliens. Kind kind of. <laughs> <laughs> that's where they they go into this thing called the Shimmer, and like everybody's DNA is changing. Yeah, I, I I didn't care for it. Oh, interesting. Okay, okay. I was like, this is not the series. All you... you, Oh, I was like, LaShawn, the only thing you have to know is that anytime you hear the word annihilation... You have to hear the... You have to hear the sound afterwards. Right, Rob? The only alien alien or space-type movie that I think is uh, really well done is... uh, I think it's... It's not Poseidon... um, Poseidon's the ocean movie. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's it's the one where the guy is on the ship. He wakes up, and he's the only one on this ship. And he's like, "I'm alone and I'm by myself." And then all of a sudden, he's not by himself. Prometheus is that what it's? Oh, what is that? There's a lot I, of people in think... Prometheus. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure which I'll one you're talking about. That one up and send that to you another time. But okay. that, that's a really good one. The but, one that the the movie in our Monstober that when I when I scroll through back through our Monstobers real quick, Zach is um, uh, Mandy. Have you seen Mandy, Lashawn, with Nicolas Cage? I, I like 
I thought it was all right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That that one has the benefit of I think you know very similar to something like we've been talking about where the first half might be very slow and methodical, and then the second half is just Nicolas Cage doing drugs and killing people with a chainsaw. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everything you could, and that was the best thing in that conversation. I'm like, yeah, the first half of this is slow. Second half is just delightful. And Rob's like, no, no, Zach. I love the, the first half. It's the second half, half that's lacking. <laughs> it's the first half that's the masterpiece. And just, it was just him and I arguing over, like, which is more delightful. I'm like, Rob, he snorts cocaine and kills Cenobites. Like, what is there <laughs> not to like about that? <laughs> Cheddar Goblin's like kind of like that paradigm shift where it's just like, yes. Rob and I are just like, okay, like, that is the firm transition point in the movie for both of us. <laughs> well, I guess, I guess the. I guess the million-dollar question for LaShawn is, and this is going to tell whether how much I like him as a person, <laughs> what is your opinion on Dr. Sleep? Oh, I find Dr. Sleep's amazing. I, I, I love that. Ooh. All right, Rob, he's not, Rob, get him off. Disconnect him from the well, call right well, now. One, well, <laughs> one, I, uh, I think Zach and I both agree that I, I think, you know, we think Dr. Sleep might be the worst film ever made. <laughs> but when LaShawn's saying that you like it, you're also putting fuel on the fire of Zach telling me a few weeks ago he wanted to revisit Dr. Sleep. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. Like, in defense of Dr. Sleep, and it's just, like, the episode ends with me putting a gun in my mouth. <laughs> like, that's just... <laughs> Yeah, just for kind of context, LaShawn, Dr. Sleep, I think, is the only time in Cinematics history, because we did an episode on it, where when we got to the restaurant, I said, I have no snacks to put forward because I do not want this movie related to our restaurant. And Zach's <laughs> response was, a cyanide pill. <laughs> no, no, it was a, no, it was a uh, axe to oh, the uh, leg. Yes, to the an, groin? A, an axe to, the, to the, ephem- the, um, the, in the inside of the leg to cut your ephemeral artery so you bleed out. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Well, look at that. Well, we found somebody who will who will gladly be on this podcast and defend Doctor Sleep. Now, now Zach has uh, armor. (laughs) In my defense, though, it was like a two hour plus long movie, and I may have been under the influence of some alcohol. (laughs) The things that might have been like outstanding to me may have just been me being a little, you know. Fair. (laughs) Are you aware, Lashawn? There's a three hour cut of that movie. Oh God, why? (laughs) That's what I've been saying. Why? I want to watch it so bad, but, like, I know the moment I get to the Stuart Altman sequence, like, my brain will just turn off. Like, I know I <laughs> will – like, I'm pretty sure I had a stroke in – what was it, October of 2019? I will have a stroke for certain this time. <laughs> yeah. I know I will – you ever, like, know, like, if this thing ha- – it's kind of like Winky's Man in Mulholland Drive. I'm like, I know if I get to this point again, something bad will happen to me. I just know it, and it's like, will I eventually go to it? Yes. Because I'm a bad hu- human being that's tended to like self destruction. Oh, that's oh, good. God. All that's right. Good. Is there anything else about Jeepers Creepers? Because there's just one more point I want to touch on. I, I will say the one thing for me is now that we've talked so much, I think I'm changing my answer, and I think the first movie is my favorite. <laughs> okay. God damn it. God damn it. Okay, okay. I, I think the only other thing I wanted to bring up was um, I mentioned it briefly at the start, but um, you know, I, I knew that Justin Long was in this movie, and it was not a comedic role. I went into it thinking that I was going to dislike Justin Long. I kind of, I kind of really liked him in the first movie. I thought he did a great job as this, um, the, the scared kind of male protagonist. I had really nothing against him. I was really expecting to dislike it because when I think of Justin Long, I think of, like I said, Dodgeball. I think of that movie Accepted, where he makes his own fake college. If anybody remembers that one, 
Um, he's he's George Harrison. Oh, accepted? accepted, yeah, yeah. I think of him in that. I think of uh, him as George Harrison in the Dewey Cox Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story. So he's always been comedic to me, and I really didn't think I was going to like him, but I, I kind of have to say Justin Long did fine in this role. I don't know. Did you guys have any uh, problems with him? No, he was cool, though. Like I said, that's like, – but this is like before he became – the like like the Mac guy like yes. I'm a Mac I'm a PC. This was before he became the comedic actor that I think everybody knows him as. But I saw this and learned about it well after I thought of him as the comedic actor. What I'm saying is that Justin Long and I went through the turnstiles in opposite directions. <laughs> oh jeez, can we just real quick? Like I, I'm kind of like, I know I wasn't involved with the core line discussion, which was recorded yesterday, but won't get used for you're, like a, that's a, like that's a, a month, month. Zach. I don't know what you're talking about. What are you, what are you saying? <laughs> I know, <laughs> but I like that we're talking about Justin Long, who is I'm a I'm a Mac. And in Coraline, the dad is the PC John Hodgman. Guy. Yeah, absolutely. I love, yeah. I love that we have this weird sort of just like parallel right there, like yeah. unintentional. Just, I mean, I mean, I don't know what you're talking about, Zach. Why well, haven't what I, what <laughs> Coraline? We're not talking about. We're not. It's a, it's a month away. That's a month away. So, what was your last thing for uh, for Jeepers Creepers, okay. Zach? This this goes back to like this the Victor Salva thing of like persona non grata. Like if we ignore, like, it kind of reminds like like what? Oh God. The media, the public at large is doing to him is like it reminds me of that treehouse of horror gag just to tie this back into another horror property of like when there's all the advertisements and like how they defeat them is just by ignoring them. They go away because that's how we solve problems as adults, just ignoring them long enough and they go away. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Is that like there's like a horror YouTube channel that has like God millions of subscribers. I think it's something like Kill Count and they go through horror movies and count it. And like they did a video like why we'll never do Jeepers Creepers. And, like, I literally just, like, roll my eyes to that title. It's, like, a five-minute-long video. I'm, like, so let's give you five minutes of grandstanding. That's Mm. all. There's no reason to do a video like that other than to virtue signal. And this is the thing that I just, like, like, again, I'm not disputing that Victor Salva did, like, horrible things. But this is the thing that kind of frustrates me is that, like, oh, we'll never get, like, a creeper action figure because we are not going to put money in his pockets. But, like – for an American werewolf in London, they are making action figures this year, not just of the werewolf, but all of the Nazi demons. And really? I'm just like, yes. And I'm just like, why are we supporting a manslaughterer? I'm like, John Landis is responsible. His actions led to the death of three people. Yep. And I'm like, why? Like, and yes, John Landis, for all intents and purposes, when it comes to like his filmmaking career is done, like, he doesn't do anything worthwhile anymore, but like you are putting money in his pockets and he never paid a societal price for this the way that Victor Salva did. Victor Salva did his time, whether he was released early or prematurely, that's on like the like God, the penal system. Mm-hmm. He did his time, yet we are going to give a manslaughter. It's it's just the fact that, like, one was convicted and one wasn't. It's kind of like the Johnny Depp situation that, like, in in, in England, he is a convicted, like, woman beater. Like, is that what it comes down to? Just solely the conviction is what matters, not the actual events that transpired? I I mean – this is like this nobody is, has to, nobody has nobody has to touch this. I'm just saying everyone just be like, I abstain, <laughs> I want like not touching this hot potato. It just makes me mad that like the same company that says like, oh, we are never gonna give you a creeper figure is the same one like, yeah, we're gonna make American werewolf in London merchandise. And it's like 
again, not saying that like one crime is better or worse than the other, but like both are despicable things that led to human suffering. And it's like one already paid their price. The other didn't yet. The one that didn't pay the price were putting money in their pocket. And this goes back to the whole thing, like where I believe like you either apply the stand, the same standard to everybody or you don't, you, you can't pick and choose your winners and your losers. That's where I'm with you, Zach, and and just like Zach said, LaShawn, feel free to uh, abstain from this discussion or join in and then choose not to pitch your YouTube channel at the end, you know, whichever one you think will work (laughs) out better. Uh, But no, I'm kind of with you, and I I think it's getting at this thing of um, it's really weird and it's really upsetting to me. I'm with you, Zach. We should hold everybody to the same standard, but I think there's a different level of standard in people saying a pedophile is much worse than a murderer. And I think a lot of people feel that way, and that really bothers me. And I think that's what this comparison of Salva and Landis comes down to to some extent. But that's the thing, though, is that, like, I'm not saying that, like, one crime is more egregious than the other. It's just that, like, like if you're going to take that stand that, like, oh, someone who's committed a sexual crime is someone we don't want to be in business with, that's fine. I have no problem with that. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I agree. I, I, I applaud the fact that you have that level of liberty to make those decisions. It's just that, like, okay, then apply that standard to everything else. I'm with you there. I'm with you there, it's but like, I don't it, think like that's you, what happens. Yeah. Oh, it, it's clearly not the case, yeah. though. It's just, like, it, it's just frustrating that, like, oh, like, we're going to do this because, like, people don't know that John, like, John Landis is a manslaughter. And it's like, okay. And then, like, just to add insult to injury, like, the Nazi demons don't even have, like, the swastika symbol, like, on their armbands. And I'm just like, what is, like, it's just like, then why do it then? You're just doing it to cash in on on something that's familiar. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's uh, the knowledge of it as well is definitely like an interesting thing. You know, if um you go back and you maybe like look at reviews or more more mo- not go back but more modern reviews of say a John Landis movie from way back when, like say Trading Places, which we've covered on this podcast. I, I feel like you see a lot of review reviews that are like, oh, you know, this movie's great, it's so funny, you know, it has some problematic elements in the content of the movie, but you're not going to see a lot of reviews that talk about John Landis. Whereas if – I would imagine if you went to Letterboxd and you looked at the reviews for Jeepers Creepers, every single review would say something about Victor Salva and his, his um, you know, pedophilia and stuff like that. So there is that level of, you know, how many people know about it type of thing. Or maybe not how many people know about it. How – what have we done as a, as a society to make it easier for people to know about? Because I think, you know, everybody tells the story about Victor Salva. Like, Zach knew it, told me, and we told LaShawn in this episode. I'm sure people who watch or listen to this episode are going to know it for the first time as well. Where the John Landis thing, I don't think that comes up as much. You know what I mean? Oh, sure. No, I I get it. But, like, it's kind of like the whole idea that, like, if somebody likes, like, again, it, it comes down to just the mentality of people. Yeah. Is that like, it's like, it's even with like Jeepers Creepers. Like, I, I think Rob has heard it a couple of times now. Like, there was a, like, every, I think it's like twice or three times a year, Target will have like a sale where it's like, buy two pieces of media, get one free. And like, I have, I have both of the Jeepers Creepers on DVD, but I want to upgrade to Blu ray because the DVDs are kind of like, eh. And so I'm like, okay. And I found out like a couple of years ago, Shout Factory, like the boutique label for Blu rays, released like a collector's edition for both films. I'm like, oh, this is like neat. And it's like, oh, they went out of print like in 2014 because like the Victor Salva quote unquote hysteria started again. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, so like all that's available is like the lousy transfer from like the like late 2000s because like we can't like that's the thing. Like we, we're not going to reinvest money into the film that was worked on by like 
hundreds if not thousands of people because one guy who at the time of production everybody knew what he had done like that's just it like if this was all happened after the movies were released i'd be like okay i get it i get it but like everybody involved with the production knew what they're getting themselves involved with Mm -hmm. yeah and that's where it's like i just don't get this idea of like again it comes down to the art you know separating the art from the artist it's it's just that like okay then the movie should never have been made then it's like if we're going to forsake this and want, just burn all the prints of it, just just this like all honesty, release it in like re, like if, if whoever owns it should release like the print into the public domain and it's out there now, then nobody should ever make money. If you want to stop him from making money, then it should be released into the public domain. Like, like that is the, the thing. And that's it's the hypocrisy of it that bothers me It's because we're just like we're picking and choosing. And I, I do not agree with that. Fair. Fair. Basically, what this comes down to is I want an action figure and I'm mad I can't. <laughs> <laughs> this is what it boils down to. This is a very adult reason for a very childish complaint. I want a creeper action figure and I can't have it. This is, this is also very interesting. Uh, this is uh, Zach's, uh, Zach being able to talk about this stuff, which, uh, of course, Ben and I did for a good, good long time at the start of our Pootie Tang episode regarding Louis C.K. So... I, I'm sure LaShawn did not expect to get into this this type of stuff in Jeepers Creepers. <laughs> no, no idea. I'm learning a lot, though. I'm like, wow, this this all happened? And they still let him make a movie? Okay, wow. <laughs> two movies! Yeah, two. two movies! Um, but this is something really interesting real quick, because like, I wanted to... I, I typed into Google Images in American Werewolf in London, because I wanted to see the Nazi demons. Mm-hmm. And you know what's really, really odd and kind of spooky? Like We all know Google is like the, the real-world manifestation of Skynet. <laughs> um, but like, but you know what the spooky part of all this is? When you type in American Werewolf in London, there are like, I'm literally like for the, ever since I mentioned them, I've been scrolling through the image search. I haven't found a single still of that sequence. Oh, okay, okay. Which and we all know like how Google goes nuts when it comes to certain like flag iconography. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, man. Interesting, interesting. Like it's like it's like it's at some point there there's gonna be a movement to like like. Song of the South movies that are deemed problematic. Sure, sure. And there's gonna come a point where, like, Jeep, like, even though we, like, nobody here is like, okay, I wanna die on the Jeepers Creepers Hill. It's neither one of these movies are that good. <laughs> but, like, it will get to that point where like, there'll be movies that are like, oh, yeah, we have to get rid of them. But why? Well, because they've been deemed bad by the powers that be. And it's like, yeah, but it's art. Like, isn't that what art's supposed to be? Is it, like, controversial? Nope, it's been deemed bad. Like that's the spooky thing about all this. It just it feels like certain movies are on the path to like Song of the Southville. Mm-hmm. And even though like Rob and I have talked about that and we're like, it's not a good movie, just let people see that like, instead of making it into like this forbidden fruit, let people see that like it's mediocre to bad. And guess what? You, 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 like nothing like cleanses the dark quite like sunlight. Yeah, yeah, right on. So yeah, so yeah. Like I said, it's it's it just it's spooky because like the fact that like Jeepers Creepers is like almost on the verge of being out of print mm-hmm. is just like it just makes me nervous for just like like any of these movies. Is it like okay? Like so like how far are we gonna draw the line? Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I mean I think everybody knows I'm with you, Zach. Because there's a reason I like to save everything to my hard drive because it will disappear eventually. <laughs> exactly. What what's the episode of The Simpsons we're always talking about? Stark Raving Dad. Oh, yeah, yeah, Stark Raving Dad. Yep, yep. Got canceled because Michael Jackson provides a voice uncredited. You would not even uncredited know it's Michael voice. Jackson if you watch the episode. <laughs> it's, it's, 
it's canceling something not just that was like produced and crafted decades earlier. It was also a decade plus after the controversial person's been dead. So they, they're, and that's the thing, they can't even benefit from it. Only their estate can benefit from it. And I find that fascinating. It's just that, like, okay, the bad man can't, can't profit off of it. Can we have it back now? No. Okay. It's like, like, it's insane when you think of it that way. Oh, yeah. It's the, it's the weirdest thing. It's the weirdest thing. Alrighty. Anything else about these movies? We're ready to get into our questions. I think I'm I'm good. Anything else from you, Lashawn? Um, I just was thinking one thing. I was like, I find it very odd that they kind of used a lot of cliches in the first movie, but whereas in the second movie, I feel like there weren't a lot of the oh, why would you do that moment in the first movie? I just don't understand why the characters knew they were. It's like they were aware of their downfalls, but still did them. Mm. And in the second movie everyone seemed intelligent enough to be like oh wow like i don't think he's trying to let us uh i don't think he's trying to stop us what did they say when they oh, found stop us from getting out he wants to keep us in yeah, yeah yeah and it's like i feel like everyone was so self-aware in that movie and they're just like oh yeah we've got all these problems and we're not i feel like their problems were deeper than the monster like they were just like oh we have all these like we they'd have a harder time like becoming friends on that bus than just going out and getting slaughtered sure. and i'm just like what is that movie about? So I think the movies, they just took two different directions and I'll never quite understand a lot of what the first movie was. I feel like they just made the characters purposefully stupid to keep a movie going and use all the cliche horror tricks that were up their sleeve. Like, you know, falling down that hole. Oh my God, rats. Like even that scene was like a minute long with her holding his legs. And I was like, are you going to fall in the hole already? Like, (laughs) (laughs) it just went on for too long and i'm just like all right this movie's doing just enough to keep the ball going but it's really not doing anything outside the box and it which is kind of like the transition from like that 90s you know 80s type of uh horror films to what we have now because i feel like now it's not anything like that but it's because those cliches are what they are <laughs> that, I'm, I'm, it's interesting you bring that up now because that makes me think of in the second movie you know I think there's a point where what as we've been calling him uh, evil jock man he's like look he's like look at that that means there's a farm we should just make a run for it that type of thing and we have you know his girl I think his girlfriend in the movie Rhonda is the one who questions him on it and so it's like you actually have that back and forth of like questioning about what they're going to do and stuff like that I, I mentioned that scene though because it it was kind of weird to me the way that they chose to deliver the dialogue is that, you know, the character's name, Scotty, is says, like, look at that, there's a farm out there, we should all just make a run for it, that type of thing. And then it cuts back to Rhonda, and she goes, Scotty, with that thing out there? Scotty, with that thing out there? Scotty! And, like, she repeats it, and it, like, cuts back to him before she repeats it, but I'm just hearing it, I'm just like, Who says we wait around? I'm serious. Scotty, you're not talking about getting off this bus. You see that? That means that there's a farm down at the end of this road somewhere, and that's as far as anybody would have to get to. With that thing out there? Scotty? With that thing out there? Scotty! That thing hasn't been back here in almost an hour. And that doesn't mean that it's not still up there somewhere. And that doesn't mean that it is. I get it, you know, she's, she doesn't want to do that type of thing, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that movie was pretty realistic, and that's why I'm, I think at first I really was like, oh, that's my favorite of the two, because it was like this stuff would really happen. You know, you've got 
it's kind of like the scene from uh, the Dark Knight with when they're on the the ships and they're like, mm-hmm. you know, trying to blow each blow the other ship up and like what's going to happen. And you get the one person that's like, every man for himself, push the button, blow up the other ship. I feel like that's very like human nature. Like they they pretty much like did a a horror movie as how it would happen if it were actual real people versus the first one where it's like let's have these dumb people do it and like play these roles. And I think, I guess I like the cheesiness. Sure. <laughs> sure. <Damn straight. laughs> so that's where I end on that. I did like the cheesiness and okay. it got me. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess with that being said, then uh, I, that takes us to man, the end of the, the end of the fort year, our last set of questions and snacks for the fort year. It's beautiful. I, uh, so I, um, uh, I guess we'll start with, with, um, cinemodities and, and usually whenever we do these double features, I always say like, are we going to combine them or split them up? I actually do have a split on one of my answers for this for, for Jeepers Creepers one for cinemodities. I'm going to go. No, I think it's a, I think it's a horror movie. It might be doing something's interesting, might have that tension that I like, but nothing really makes it a cinemodity for me. For late night, I'm also going to say no for Jeepers Creepers 1, because while it might have some good atmosphere in that beginning, I don't really think there's a lot to grab onto in, like, a late night setting or anything like that. Now, for Jeepers Creepers 2, I'm also going to say no to a cinemodity, because while I think it is interesting in comparison to the, the first one to, to give it this such a different feel, um, it still doesn't fit the bill for a cinemodity. But for two, for late night, I'm going to say yes. I think there's some really, really fun, interesting nonsense with those teenagers that you could make fun of and then just start to fall in love with how goofy some of the chase scenes with the, the creeper flying around are. So I have to throw that up. Maybe not like a high-priority late-night movie, but if you're looking for something a little less uh, you know, heady or anything like that, and Jeepers Creepers 2 kind of makes it in just, just over the, uh, the bar. So, I guess, you know, Zach, you're the one at the end of the fort year. What did you think for Cinemodies and Late Night? Uh, I'm going to, like, okay, this, uh, Late Night, I'm going to say yes to both, because I think they both work on that level. Um, I think this would make a, I think after that first movie ends, I think I could, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find someone who wouldn't want to see the second one, if you told them nothing about the plot. Um, as for Oddity, the first one, I don't think it's an oddity. I think it's, for the most part, a pretty well-crafted horror film of its scale. Um, second one, though, I'm going to say yes for uh, Cinemati. Okay, okay, interesting. So, LaShawn, what do you think after watching all these? So, I'm, I, I'm, I actually had the same results as you did, and it pretty much just speaks for itself. It's one of those, you know, you're having a good time, you have some friends over, you could watch that second movie, have some good laughs, and just kind of which that's it's not what a horror movie's supposed to be about so i guess that's what frustrates me a little bit it's like the characters make that but not the creeper and sure. it should be the other way around and so we'll just leave it at that <laughs> <laughs> right on right on well then of course now snacks this is i'm i'm kind of a little disappointed in myself i don't have a lot of snacks there's not a lot of food in this stuff i, I don't really have any food items i think one that i mentioned earlier that i want to get in here um, the horn from the creeper's truck in the first movie, we need to use that as some type of notification in the restaurant. Like, I'm thinking, like, oh, if an order's up or something like that to get the attention of the wait staff, you know? Um, or maybe even when you're waiting for your table and you have that, um, that weird type of buzzer that lets you know when your table's ready, the buzzers we give to people don't vibrate. They just make the horn noise. Like, someone with their family will be waiting for a table, like, you know, around the, the front of the restaurant, and they'll be talking to each other. And then out of nowhere, you hear, like, Mah! and they all, like, freak out. And they're like, oh, I guess that means our table's ready. <laughs> 
But we need to use that sound somewhere. I loved it so much. And I think the- they should play over the PA system, Rob. Like when your table is like, you should be like, brah, brah. <laughs> it's like and your little buzzer goes off. Table, no, it's like, like waiting group number seven. Your table is ready. <laughs> so something like the whole restaurant can hear it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's good. And then the other one I had is something we didn't mention. Um, in the second movie, they introduced the creeper having throwing stars, basically. Made out of sharpened bone and, like, congealed together with whatever the hell it is. But I figured, which is something we have a, a few different variations of, we could add the creeper's throwing star as a utensil option. So if somebody wanted to eat their meal with their the creeper's bone throwing star, they would have the option to do so. <laughs> I don't know more with it. You mentioned throwing stars, and it just reminds me of the scene, and I can't remember how it actually played out, but the the lady goes to grab the throwing star. She cuts her hand, <laughs> yeah. and the guy says, well, that's sharp, or whatever he says, and then he grabs it with no problem, and I'm like, what did she do? Did she just, like, go open-handed into the... <laughs> <laughs> I had that thought, too, where she read, she's like, ouch, you know, and, and, like, sucks on her hand like she's, like, nursing a wound, and it's like, yeah, I think she just straight up was like, you know, maybe I can grab it from the pointy end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i thought that whole the addition of the throwing star in the second one i was just like oh okay i guess we're doing this you know <laughs> and I have to admit, that's a pretty neat little scene though where we see him like throwing it and we see like the view of the like throwing star that's a pretty neat little sequence oh sure sure it is neat but then it's just why does it what is he is he is he got human characteristics does the is the is the the more he's starving the more animalistic he becomes and when he's like well fed he's like sophisticated businessman and like conducts like his organ trans transactions like respectfully like i don't know <laughs> I, think he, I think he's also i think the thing is like i think the like the later he goes into his like 23 day cycle the more frantic he becomes i think it's kind of like like it's kind of like just like the clock is i get i could be wrong again i'm reading into this um but but like i think it's the idea like the clock's just running out like we're never told why is he doing any of this. Like, is he, like, like we know, like he consumes the limbs to like replace damaged ones. But is there any goal to this overall? Just eating. Like, it seems. Like, like, yeah. Is that just what he's just feeding for the sake of feeding? Except when he needs to replace like body parts. That's how I took it. Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of like that ambiguous nature of it. It's kind of like why is he doing this? I don't know because he's just like an evil like creature. I don't know. It's like he, you know what? He's minding his own business for the most part. He's picking off drifters like. <laughs> he's doing a public. He's doing his public service. Leave, leave him alone. Well, a, drifter, a, drifter, a drifter threw him in a well when he was younger, and now he's getting revenge on all the drifters. <laughs> <laughs> his parents didn't hug him enough when yeah, he was a child. Yeah. <laughs> what did you guys have for, for that? That was all. The only two I had. I had no food. I, I mean, I was thinking of putting in like full limbs and stuff, but I thought that would just be too. Too uh, similar to some other human cannibalism, I think we have already. But uh, yeah, what did you guys have for snacks? <sighs> there's not a lot of like really good. Like there's like the diner. Um, I guess like an easy snack would be like tuna fish, like on a, like on like a screen door. Oh, sure. I kind of like that. <laughs> I kind of like that as a snack. Um, that's fascinating. Uh, I, I think do we do we need some? I think we could use some scarecrows. Like in the mm. sense of like, I, I, I kind of like just like those giant things where like you just like you set them up in the restaurant, and maybe like occasionally like maybe that's how we. I know Rob, we have a lot of systems in place in the Santa Monica's restaurant for picking <laughs> up like unwanted beans. Maybe maybe we throw the creeper in there. Like maybe like that's a Monstober special or something for like one month, like for the month of Monstober, like 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 one of our scarecrows is uh, is the actual creeper, and it's like, oh, where'd little Billy go? 
<laughs> okay, okay. Interesting, interesting. I, I kind of like that. I, uh... I'm trying to remember. I don't think we added them. No, it doesn't look like we did when we did the Scarecrow Walks at Midnight from Goosebumps. I don't think we included any of those Scarecrows. So the Creeper might be the way to go with that, where we have, you know, um... Uh, I, I kind of want to say it might be even, like, the scare person, you know? He's not scaring crows, he's scaring people. <laughs> Fair. Yeah, that's kind of it, though. This really wasn't a, like, snack-heavy, like, film. Like, there's yeah. not really a lot of eating in this. Sure. Yeah, I had nothing. I could not come up it, with anything it, kind, it really was <laughs> tough. That's how I felt. Even after, like, because usually I write my snacks when I'm watching the movies, and then after I was done with the movies, I was like, oh, my God, I only have two? And I was just like, I tried to pick my brain for more, and there's just... There's just not much there. So maybe that's that's the thing I think, you know, we all can agree on that we have the creeper somewhere in the restaurant and uh, you know, some people will love him, some people will hate him, but at least he's there. <laughs> the movie's so simple. I feel like, you know, the three of us could go remake the whole first movie like with ourselves, like really easily. You know, two of us in a car, someone <laughs> driving the creeper van and that's it. Like we could film the whole movie anywhere. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Just get a road <laughs> and a and a church. Yeah, <laughs> a road and a church. Very low tech. All churches have catacombs, right? I mean, we don't we don't need the diner. We have our restaurant to film in, so you know. <laughs> of course, of course. All right. Well, with that all being said, we did it. We finished the fort year. LaShawn, I'm so glad you were here for the fort year, and I'm glad you got to be back here with the movie that you actually chose to talk about while I, when I made you talk about Fast and Furious with us. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me, and it was definitely some good conversation. I appreciate the horror you know, feedback I got from you guys. Now I know where you guys stand on horror movies. Right on, right on. Interesting trio we got here. <laughs> yeah, now, now when Zach, whenever Zach finally picks at least one thing in Monstober, we can start to talk about, you know, when's LaShawn going to come back to talk horror? Um, because I don't think we're going to be doing any more Fast and Furiouses anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, as always, uh, everybody should go check out if you want to hear more about cars, if uh, you want to see... I don't want to blow up your spot, LaShawn, but I think your newest episode is going to be about the Creeper's truck, uh, I think. <laughs> that would be great to see. Um, or maybe a school bus. I don't know if you've ever done an episode on a school bus. That would also be pretty cool and probably more manageable. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, everybody, go check out LJ's Garage. Uh, I'll put the link in the show notes. But anything else you want to say to pitch yourself? No. Um, I pretty much I actually started branching out and doing whatever. I did an RV the other day, and I was like, you oh. know what? So I've just been exploring whatever. So if I get my hands on a creeper van, oh, man, it's it's going down. <laughs> Did you Tokyo drift the RV? <laughs> <laughs> it was $156,000. I was like, no, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, everybody go uh, go check out LaShawn's channel so he gets more money so he can buy insurance so that he can drift an RV. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Rob. Uh, and as always for us, please head over on to the Cinemati's Patreon account to subscribe to get access to even more discussions and support the podcast. Uh, Patreon.com slash Cinemodities. As always, feel free to email us about the 2001 Fort Year. Uh, I will read those emails and let Zach know uh, if you loved it, you hated it, anything like that, now that it's finally over, Cinemodities at gmail.com. And as, of, as, always, as always, check out the Cinemodities subreddit for more information about the show. Reddit.com slash r slash Cinemodities. And I think, finally, man, Zach, I've been so excited to say this for so long. Next week, we are out of the fort year. We are covering a movie far away from 2001. And what better way to go from 2001 than earlier? We are starting what I, I queued up a long, long time ago in the, in the fort year. 
the Henry Selick series. Since we covered Monkey Bone, we are finishing up the rest of his filmography for the first three weeks in September. And I'm very excited to say that we will be discussing none other than the most marketed film of all time, The Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> oh, I'm, I can't wait to get to Henry Selick. That's going to be a doozy. It's going to be another Rob gushing over one of his most important and popular and lovable creative forces, I think. So, with that being said, I think there's only one way to end this episode. I think all three of us will be in agreement. We have to play the song Jeepers Creepers in reverse, right? Absolutely. Jeepers Creepers. Where'd you get those peepers? I think that's the only way to go. And, of course, we'll play the Paul Whiteman version uh, that was used in this movie. Um, Maybe I'll do a little medley with the original um, and things like that, but we'll see. But that's, that's how it goes. So... I guess then, Zach, I want to throw it over to you for the very end. Any final words to put the fort year to rest that you that your baby, your creation, everything about this was all you. And it was uh, there were some highs, there were some lows. But what do you think about it now that we've reached the end? Well, God, the fort year. God, I I remember when it was just like a glimmer in my eye. (laughs) The idea of like doing like seven months of the podcast solely devoted to this. It was kind of like a wild notion. But I have to say, like, as much as I never want to speak about the sketch comedy Fort Month, it was the genesis of, like, the idea of doing, like, a series that would last more than a month. Yes. Even though the Fort Month was a nightmare two years ago, um, but it, it definitely gave that, me the idea. It, it was neat. The idea, like, this time last year being like, oh, God, like, the Fort Year's actually on the horizon. Like, it's coming. And uh, we did it. We did. We did it. We did Okay, right on. Well, then, get ready, everybody, for leaving the fort year next week. It's going to be some good stuff. Christmas, 